What's up, people? Welcome to a brand new Wrestle Update. I'm your host, Dylan Fox. First Wrestle Update of the year, 2024. Happy New Year to all of you. And Happy New Year to my co-host, the person that I just cannot get enough of. I have to talk to him all the time, always. Nello de Angelis. So great to have you back on. Happy New Year. How are you? Oh, I'm so hyped. Uh, for this show, I mean, God, what <laughs> we have <laughs> quite an addition planned uh, for today's show. Uh, we're right on the, the verge of our awards. I've been doing a lot of research. These awards, I'm not going to sit here and say that the award show will be the best award show ever, <laughs> but it may be the most intricately researched uh, that, that uh, I've, I've done. I've went through every nook and cranny of wrestling in America to try to figure out the best I can do. And I was just so hyped to do this show because not only are we going to talk about AEW, we got, we, we have some melancholy news to talk about with AEW coming up, but we also have you, you have been up to a lot of things this weekend, my friend to tell us what you up to, where were you at? Yeah, I, I'll jump into a, a quick little review of the circle sixes King of the death match, 2023, I was front row with six other friends at Don Quixote in Hollywood. Um, man, it was crazy. So to like, you know, for no one that, again, that's really like familiar with Deathmatch, just to sort of, you know, put this into context. Um, you have your hardcore matches, tables, ladders, chairs, and then your death matches. You're going to start injecting stuff like uh, knives, scissors, glass barbed wire fire glass panes all sorts of stuff like that um so and for the tournament as well right um the way this one worked was typically you have four opening first round matches two semifinals and a final six matches totally digestible in one evening right circle six said fuck that they gave us six first round matches three semifinals and one triple threat final um, which I will say is too much. Like, um, it was cool to see all the talent. I think a couple things could have been trimmed down. Um, they definitely had the bad luck of having some, uh, you know, ring issues, I guess you could say, in terms of building out the finals. It was about like an hour gap in between, and they never quite finished it. Um, Atticus Kogar actually came out while the ring crew was still trying to build it. Um, also background, they said, we'll be back in 15 minutes. And I, Dylan, I guess this entire time on the stream, they just left the cameras on or some shit. Um, and Ka and Kevin Gill was just filling air. <laughs> that one? sounds like a, a, a questionable experience, but one that they forced us into forced the world into my friends were telling us cause they were watching at home and like an ICP song came on and they're like, dude, he's just been talking about Juggalos, he knows, for like 10 minutes now. Um, so also, just a heads up, I feel like my go my laugh right now is like a full goblin laugh with how my voice is going out. So if I scare any listeners at home, my apologies. Um, but yeah, Atticus Kogar comes out and he's like, what the fuck is this? A Rob Black show? XPW. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, you, you, you. How many fucking Dr. Redactants does it take to put together a ring? Get out. You're done. You're done. You're done. And dude, he like legit kicks the ring crew out. And he's like, I'm fucking sick of waiting. And I'm like, you know, 
some people were like, oh, that was crazy. And I'm like, that was not a work. Like, you know, you're not going to make an audience wait like this. That definitely was real. And, you know, it's I don't think it's great to fucking roast people in a public setting like that. But also, if I was if I had wrestled two crazy death matches already that night and was told to wait in the back for like 15 minutes while I'm profusely bleeding to then go back out and it turned into an hour plus, I'd probably be pretty pissed and my adrenaline would probably be pretty shot. Um, you know, it, it, it was that like outside of that though, dude, it was so much fun. Um, the only non-title match, Matthew justice versus homicide, um, really fun. You know, at first it was one of those matches where you're like, okay, I love these guys, but why is this happening? Like we're on hour four and dude, 10 minutes in justice is jumping off the top of the second floor of the Don Quixote down onto homicide on a tables, new Jack style, Kasai and Karakian hall style. It was awesome. Um, I got to see Mao from DDT do his first ever death match against Bobby Beverly. Uh, it was really cool to see how Mao, you know, incorporated his typical style with, uh, you know, he's done a lot of hardcore and stuff like that, but with a bit of a more brutal edge, um, you know, they, they incorporated and blended the plastic bins with the glass, which was pretty crazy. I won't lie. Um, I got to see Pagano, which was honestly so fucking cool. Um, I got to see Mao at WrestleMania, but seeing Pagano live, um, and in LA was fucking amazing. It was very cool. Uh, like the crowd went nuts for him. He has a very undeniable charisma. Um, Nate Webb was there. Shout out Nate Webb. Um, trying to think what else man the glass when it flies at you though it's a very visceral feeling i was front row um and you know we we can i can send you some pictures dylan if you want we can maybe post them somewhere on the twitter or whatever um but dude absolutely you're you're walking to your seat and i mean like at all times i am standing on and surrounded by glass and blood and broken wood and um my friend sophia got homicides fork it was on the outside of the ring after the match. And she like asked one of the ring crew guys. She was like, can, can I have that fork? And he was like, you want homicides fork? She was like, yeah. And dude, he just gave her the bloody fork and she kept it. It was fucking sick. Um, you know, like it, it was very cool because it was two wrestling friends of mine who had never been to a death match tournament. And it was my first tournament as well. And then four friends of mine who had just pretty much never been to wrestling before. And I mean, dude, everyone fucking loved it. Everyone was going wild. Um, there was a semi round match that I want to shout out between Bobby Beverly, who did win the tournament, and Orrin Vite, who's one of my favorite deathmatch wrestlers. He got me into deathmatch wrestling. His match at GCW's 400 Degrees uh, versus G Raver, phenomenal. Um, they did a Tokyo Towers match. Dylan, are you familiar with what the Tokyo Towers are in deathmatch? I think we need to explain this. T- tell us about the Tokyo Towers and Deathmatch. So picture this on, you know, is a base. There's a pretty large bundle of light tubes all taped, right? And then on top of that is going to be a second tier of bundled of light tubes. It's essentially a wedding cake, three-tiered wedding cake made of light tubes. Dude, they were carrying these out, and there were ones that were about the, the height of the turnbuckle. And then they started carrying other ones out. And these ones went a couple feet above the turnbuckle. Then they carried a third set out, and these ones are about like if Okada stands on top of the turnbuckle 
and then they brought one out dude that was so comically fucking large it, it felt like a magician pulling string out of his mouth um it reached the b- above the second floor balcony and it looked like the the like the, the Jesus statue in Brazil or whatever up on the hill because <laughs> it had a giant cross light uh, light tube cross at the top. And dude, these guys went to fucking war. Um, Vite is one of those deathmatch guys who is such a disciplined and talented wrestler. On top of that, um, you know, some guys are very good at getting away with just you know some hardcore spots like an Otis Kogar, right? His whole gimmick is just I'm, it's like chair shots. He's very much like a balls Mahoney type um, and it works for him. But, dude, Vite can fucking go, man. I've seen him do submission only matches, you know, all sorts of other styles. Um, and Beverly is also a dude. He's sort of like a hood foot where he's a deathmatch dude whose move set is very all Japan. And it's very goddamn good too like this dude hit a fisherman brain buster on wood panels that i thought nearly killed the other dude it was so beautiful um but yeah these guys went to war the amount of glass was insane i was just like screaming in my safety goggles and mask and glasses flying at my face um i legit gave this like a four and a half star match this was like a good big Japan deathmatch title defense, which fuck big Japan. Madman Pondo won the deathmatch title from Yuki Ishikawa. We're canceling big Japan this year again. They're back on the naughty list, dude. Oh no. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude. Satu Jin, Necro Butcher, uh, Violent J from ICP. Like, and dude, it was the weirdest. Drake Younger. They're like a faction now in big Japan and Akira. It sucks. Um, anyway, Atticus Kogar versus Pagano in a painkiller match. Very cool. Um, Pagano like went all out, man. It was badass. And then the finals, I, I do just want to say, cause it was the finals. Um, I was really bummed out at this. Um, you know, going in the finals were Bobby Beverly, AJ gray, Atticus Kogar. So pretty much, um, you know, one of the best wrestlers in the company and Bev, and then pretty much your, you know, your rock and stone cold in a AJ gray and Atticus Kogar. Um, and the way they set this match up is that Kogar and Bev are in a faction together called 440, um, pretty prominent faction on the indies for the past few years, especially in the more deathmatch centric companies. Um, and AJ, of course, is the odd man out throughout the whole tournament this night so far. Bev's been like this ultra baby face, just like AJ. So Atticus and Bev start teaming up on AJ. And, dude, it never stopped. For 15 minutes, these guys beat the living shit out of A.J. Gray. And then Atticus had his brother Otis come down and do it, too. And, like, you know, I think self-awareness is important for whenever you do any sort of show. And the optics of having, like, just three white guys essentially triple team a black dude and just like beat the living fuck out of him to like zero fanfare and like really no comebacks or anything for 15 minutes is like it gets to a point where it just kind of feels disgusting i guess you could say like the the again it's like all imagery has meaning right and intent versus impact um and then so dylan if one if it's a triple threat elimination right and two guys are teaming up on one guy. How would you expect this match to be booked in terms of eliminations, especially when the entire audience is cheering for the guy who's getting double teamed? 
You'd have to think a big comeback would be on the horizon for the guy getting beaten down normally, and he is about to get an elimination or two to, to come back. So, AJ Gray got eliminated first. Um, oh, <laughs> dude, right? Like, you think he'd eliminate one of them, and then it's like, oh, will he come back? No, dude, they just beat the fuck out of him. And honestly, in his defense, dude, he was out. When they carried him out, I thought this guy was fucking dead. Um, and also, I do not want to diminish the performances that these people put on. This entire beatdown was fucking great. The moves, everything looked really good. It's more so the booking and the storytelling that I was not a fan of at all. Because now you have the two guys who are just absolute bastards. And it's like, Bev's going to turn babyface now. And they did the whole, oh, you're going to try to skewer me with these. You're going to do this to me. I'm your friend. It's like, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? You guys are going to both win the trophy. And then it's like a two minute, two minute finish stretch. Boom. That's it. And um, again, I think they had the misfortune of, you know, the long, no pun intended build up to this with the ring issues. Uh, but regardless, the storytelling was just a complete miss for me after what was otherwise a completely stupid and primal, visceral, insane night of pro wrestling fun. Um, I highly, highly recommend if you have ever wanted to go to a death match, do it. I recommend wearing a windbreaker, like some form <laughs> of, uh, you know, out outerwear that has a hood um, and long sleeves, but does is not fabric because the fabric will just soak up the fucking glass dust dude i was able to like sort of brush my stuff off um pants very thick sole boots because you will just be crunching the stuff um like you're walking around cm punk backstage at a collision show just eggshells everywhere and um how to get in a punk dig and glasses mask hat all that good stuff and then um one last death match note nick gage versus june kasai last night happened at gcw aftermath this match has been built up this singles for a decade now um gage admittedly as he's one of my favorite wrestlers um you know this past year he's leaned a lot into his tag team with maki ito maki death kill and it's worked a lot you know he's he's gone through a lot of injuries you know obviously with death match but also even in a beyond match he had an ankle injury a couple years ago that's seemed very nagging and persistent since um so you know, we're not getting those, I would say, S-tier Nick Gage performances anymore. But, dude, if this guy, if this was his last match, um, which it seems like it's not going to be. Some people on the Internet have sort of uh, maybe predicted that. But, uh, dude, this guy gave his heart and fucking soul. Um, by the end of the match, there was a literal pool of blood around his head. And then he cut a fucking promo after and started hanging out with fans, of course, because why not? Um June Kasai, absolute God, man. This dude, all the credit to the world and him as well. You know, I think if you want to talk about big matches around the world, him and Despy, him and Gage, I fucking love it all, man. So, so much. I would also give this a solid four and a half, um, you know, up there as well with Bev and uh, Vite and the Tokyo Towers match. But, dude, absolutely insane crowd mat for this uh, as well. And the ball actually drops in Atlantic City during the match. And I really love this moment, Dylan, because what Kasai did is, you know, Gage is down and Kasai is putting the heat on him. And then the crowd starts chanting, you know, 20, 19. And Kasai is kind of like, you know, 
doing the the maestro um you know chorus of them waving the fingers and then right when they hit you know happy new year he picks up gage and he starts to fuck him up so the crowd is already going wild celebrating the new year right so he takes advantage of that very specific moment where the crowd pops for something else and then immediately trans uh transforms those those cheers of a new year into jeers of hate for him and putting the heat on gauge. And it was just so cool, dude. He had the biggest shit eating grin on his face and uh really, really fun match. So that's my death match update. Thanks for uh, letting me rant and ramble. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a blast of a weekend. I, I really enjoyed it. Oh, and shout out Hoodfoot for winning SPOs. Rest in peace, SPO uh, battle of the tough guys at white Eagle hall in Worcester. Um, so every big deathmatch company had a tournament this fucking weekend on Saturday. It's crazy. Oh, hey, sorry, sorry. Yeah. One last thing. Nieto no, no. Extremo won the Nick Gage Invitational on Saturday as well. Um, so oh, him and Cyclope have both yeah. won. Dude, yeah. Um, you know, a guy who, as a singles wrestler, is really phenomenal, honestly. Like, this is a guy who could be a King of Freedoms world champion and hold his own in the ring against these guys you know, and absolutely meet them and excel as well. I saw him fight speedball in Vegas in a 20 minute banger once, but all the flowers to Miedo Extremo, Bobby Beverly and Hoodfoot on all their wins. Um, you know, wrestling ain't easy. Dylan can testify to that on the body. And man, these dudes literally bleed their fucking souls out into the ring as well. So, you know, thank you to all the people who participated this weekend and just fucking, you know, give their bodies up for this stuff. I love it. And I appreciate them. Absolutely. Uh, that's one of the things I, I was thinking about, uh, when new year coming, and you know, at the end of the year is always a time to reflect and such. Right. Uh, so I was thinking about it, man, everything, everybody's going through in wrestling. Uh, you know, you got to respect that. I, I, I don't think I ever did any death matches with like light tubes and stuff. I mean, I've done hardcore stuff. I mean, you know, Memphis, uh, like Tennessee, it's kind of hard not to do like a brawl <laughs> style, uh, pretty much. But, uh, you know, the deathmatch style is just so uh, outrageous sometimes. Some of the things you have going on there. But on top of it, not only the deathmatch or the violence, all that, you got the fun of the indie scene with the the being made to wait. Kevin Gill talking about juggalos and, and all that. Uh, it all came together for quite a weekend. What a way to end the year. And what a way to start the year. You, you, you know, you started off right. You right away could not let CM Punk slide even for one day. We are recording on New Year's Day. Uh, you have broke the record for punk shots in all of wrestling. So congratulations <laughs> to you. You are living your best life, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, also, uh, a lot of love to Los Macizos. Uh, the first time I saw Miedo Extremo was like, oh God, maybe like when Lucha Talk was first starting. Uh, we're going to have a new episode of that, by the way, in a couple a week or so. Uh, me, me and Micro. I know he's a big fan of his, too. Uh, but yeah, he was like the DTU champ. And that's kind of like a, a like Lucha Extrema company, like Mexican style deathmatch. Uh, and he was like the top guy at it when, when that was first started. I was like, whoa, this guy's really good. Uh, you know, Cyclope came along a little bit later uh, and they, they've done a lot of good things. So, yeah, big fan of of him. Uh, shout out to Hoodfoot as well. Uh, he's always like an unofficial, you know, uh, he's a spiritual part of Wrestle Update as long as you are around, Nello. Uh, and, I, and I would not have it any other way at the end of the day. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, love to Hoodfoot. And when I heard the Miedo news, I actually got very excited to um to share that with you because I thought that would hype you up as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm all about it. Uh, so we started the year off right. We had some good vibes coming in there, and, and I like that. Uh, and then they will go down very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so since we go to World Zen, I watched it last night and this morning. Um, Saturday night, I had a couple friends text me, and they're like, "That was the worst pay per view AEW's ever done." <laughs> and then, and then last night I got home, and I think you had told me something similar. And then, or no, maybe it wasn't you. My friend Walter, one of the disgusting brothers, of course um in the wrestling group chat but he fucking bought the pay-per-view and was like here's my bleach report login and i was like oh the password's not working and he's like ah don't even worry about it that it's it's honestly the worst pay-per-view they've ever done i was like what do you mean it's your password um but i alas i did watch the pay-per-view but you know going into I, i wanted to preface just because I might be a little bit kinder on things just because, dude, I don't think I could have had lower expectations going into this fucking show. <laughs> yeah, the all expectations negative I had, Yeah, the expectations I had Saturday <laughs> evening thinking I was going to watch this sooner than I was able to um, were probably at like an 8 out of 10. I went into this show with a 0 out of 10 expectation of what the fuck to expect. Uh, so that said, I'm ready to hit it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I I told you I thought this show was like one elaborate troll on the fans by, by Tony yep. Khan. Uh, it was revenge. How much do you know? And I guess we should talk about it to start off right away. How much were you into this Jericho stuff that happened this weekend? So I did see that. Um, I sort of went off social media. I want to say like Saturday morning. <laughs> um, and like, you know, we had sort of talked about it on the way back in the, the car yesterday from L.A. And. You know, I could tie up my thoughts very succinctly on this, but I think it's a yeah. very it's a very serious situation, sexual misconduct allegations, right? And the fact that this it's one of those things where if Jericho was never a drunk fucking idiot on Christmas yeah. talking about NDAs to begin with, right? And then Nick Houseman deciding like, here's the thing. This is a situation that is, you know, seemingly and assumedly based off what is currently out there, which is, you know, essentially rumors as far as i know right now is that this yeah, yeah. is centered around kylie ray and i want to you know really reinforce that kylie ray was not the person to was not one of either two parties that instigated this so yeah. i think it's fucked up that you know like sorry for me it's like chris jericho cool fuck you and then dude nick houseman the most like spineless wrestling journalist this side of brad, brad shepherd somehow like this guy weaponizing that to Chris Jericho is like a gotcha moment because he punked Houseman. Like, dude, men do not need to throw around like these things that involve yeah. and have potentially altered women's lives or, you know, just people's lives in general. Kylie Ray is about to give birth. We all know that she's been very public about her story centered around mental yes, health yes, and addiction yes. and her fight to heal. So, you know, right now, like, Fuck Chris Jericho. Fuck Nick Houseman. That's really all I can say in regards to them. And, um, you know, it, it reminds me of there was a wrestler named Nolan Edward on the independent scene a couple years ago, really up and coming, essentially your new Darby Allen. He had a similar situation where it came out that, you know, he had sexual, you know, done sexually abused people. And John Wayne Murdoch, one of my favorite wrestlers on in the Indies, said it very well. 
you know, he basically just said it, you know, we know what happened, you know, and that's fucking it. And he's like, and right now I'd like to stop talking about Nolan Edwards so he can fade away into obscurity. And I'd like to pivot the conversation to how can we help the victim? Mm -hmm. How can we best support her? Because I think that what's happened to Kylie Ray in all facets of this situation and any other women who are now perhaps going to be dragged into a situation that, you know, maybe they didn't want to be in um, and any other victims, who knows? Like, this is all because of two guys engaging in a fucking pissing contest on Elon Musk's social media platform. Like, cool. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I just thought it was totally totally irresponsible of houseman to th- you can't call someone like uh, uh, uh you know compare them to harvey weinstein and like just just <laughs> and uh, like no follow-up given like like you said that was like a gotcha it was a dunk and yes, you can't exactly. just you can't just say it. You can't. You cannot do that as any kind of self-respecting journalist or just self-respecting person uh, for Jericho's sake, but especially Kylie Ray's. Uh, you know, like you said, now you put things into a position. And, and remember, when this was all coming out at the time, I was trying to get a grip on what was going on, and all you see is accusations, 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 accusations of what. We don't know. Like there's like nobody even is even saying what <laughs> these accusations are at the end of the day. Uh, you know, other than obviously him saying that for automatically puts people in the mindset of something ter- like the worst case scenario, as they should. And I'm not saying anything about Jericho, um, you know, because we don't know what happened, but we don't even know what he you know, there's no accusations to even address almost because he did it in such an irresponsible way. If you are going to make an accusation, if you have secret info, you can either respect Kylie, like you said, uh, and not put her in the position to where now people want to hear her side of the story and she might not want to get into it anymore. You know, like what, whatever happened, that's that shouldn't be on her to try to be in, put in this position, be forced into this position. That's not fair to her. But he put her in that position. Or if you just feel like it's so egregious that you have to report on it, then report on it. T- say what you know. But the way he said it is this could have been something somebody, you know, somebody he's friends with or somebody who gives him sources and somebody maybe he's known for a while. Somebody just talked to him just, you know, very impersonally, not even on the record, might have said made a joke at Jericho's expense trying to make him look bad. And then he suddenly ran with it and compared him to that with no regard for anything. And that's just irresponsible reporting uh, and very gross, in my opinion, on, on Houseman's part. Um, Jericho reporting like it's sorry. Sorry to interrupt, but it's it's a very unfortunate symptom, I think, of wrestling journalism as well, because, again, like we talked about this on the last show, we will never know like the 100 percent truth. Right. Even Dark Side of the Ring is like, fuck no. Like it's everything, unfortunately, because it's all oral histories, pretty much like we don't have all this footage. That's why wrestling with shadows is so great. But. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. um, What a very influential thing. Well, that movie. Yeah. And um, a lot of wrestling journalism is someone tweeting like, oh, my God, if what I'm hearing is true. Uh, And then the community runs the fuck away with it. And that's like, you know, for for someone debuting on a show. Sure. For sexual misconduct allegations like what? I mean, this is a like, you know, even just like 
outside of this whole thing, right? This is a very serious legal fucking matter too. Like, yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. just accuse people of of crimes as like a dunk or gotcha. Like, yeah, if you <laughs> yes. if you say that someone is dangerous, you don't just go online and you're like, oh <laughs> yeah, I heard that guy's kind of a monster. It's like, no, you come to the table, you present legitimate facts. Um, and if it's not your fucking place to as well, like in terms yeah. of like if if you have spoken to victims when you have assembled facts and they have told you, I do not want my story out there. I want to be anonymous. I will speak up about this. Right. Like yeah, yeah, these yeah. are conversations that you need to have with the people that are part of this and have been implicated, not just with some friend or whatever, and then put it on your podcast as like a paywall fucking feature. Yeah. Like, and yeah. then social sound clip. Right. So sorry for the other ramp, but it's just, no. we see this constantly in wrestling. And I think that, this is what minimizes these situations because now this situation that is very serious is already incredibly mired by the by the these stupid men that are orbiting it, right? Um, yeah, and, and you know, on top of it, it's putting like you see a lot of the fans. It's almost like because we have so little facts. As I said, there's not even an accusation to address directly, uh, but people have have you know talked about rumors they heard five years ago and and it's almost like you're trying to fill in the blanks of a crime like i did do. <laughs> yeah exactly i didn't understand that reaction i thought like twitter is not known for waiting for facts to come out with anything but i thought this was like an all-time case of like i don't even know what we're talking about and like it's like people have already determined this man is a rapist uh like the things they were talking on twitter we don't even know <laughs> Like, you know, it could have been I mean, and I, I, we pray to God that nothing like that happened. And, and it's not even our place to speculate. But it's like you're trying to fill in the blanks on something because this person threw that out there. And like I said, you know, a lot of the rumors are coming out. Is it you know, like for all we know, this could have been I, I, I think what you said is a point that uh, I haven't really seen anybody take this stance on. But I think it's very important. This was all started. And unfortunately, it's so stupid that it started this way. But this was all started because of a drunken rant on Christmas. And you see Jericho around that same time as these as allegations are. Or like I said, there's not even really any allegations, but what we're talking about, the speculation of one. Um, he remember, he is the one that lost the world title uh, at, at a drunken place. And there's no doubt whatever happened, if he invited her to the hotel room, if he walked up to her and said, hey, baby, or some bullshit like that. I mean, I don't know what he did or what he didn't do. But the fact remains, this is multiple incidences where this man has f fucked up bad with alcohol involved. And I feel like somebody needs to be brave enough to step up to him and, and tell him that he has a problem with alcohol first first of all because we've seen it interfere in his life and cause huge problems directly multiple times now and i think that's something that's not being discussed enough um and, and again hopefully it wasn't as bad that i mean surely not as bad as weinstein obviously but i will say this i do think and we'll talk about it more in depth when we get to the media scrum the post show call i really wish this had been talked about a little bit more in depth by tony khan uh, you know, and just address to say, hey, at the very least, OK, we've heard there's rumors oh, of this. <laughs> anyway, we will talk about it directly, but just say, hey, we've heard rumors. We're going to investigate this and and see what comes up. And we'll talk about the whole thing afterwards. But, I, I you know, we can yeah. talk about it now. It, it sucks because, as I said, 
this is basically just b- b- conjecture that we're dealing with. So it makes it, like you said, it muddies the waters unnecessarily how this came about in, a, in such a terrible way. And I, I hate it for Kylie because, like you said, she has a history of mental health issues. and She's been very open and brave about that, and, and I think we all should applaud that. That's something very important in life. And to now be deal- dealt this hand, probably not from any choice of hers. Uh, there is the story that she did like the post on there or, or put the emoji up uh, and, and all of that. So again, we can't really say what's going on, but it seems very bad. It's worth looking at if you're the owner, um, you know, it stinks that things got so, but the waters got so muddied. And, and like you said, a serious crime just used as, as a dunk pretty much, you know, and then you should take it much more seriously. You know, if you, if you were in this for the right reasons, this should have been a well, like written a full article, Saying like, this is why I think this is what I've heard from multiple sources, and this is what we think happened. Uh, whatever information he may have, but it seems like he doesn't have any, and he just, like I said, that fe- feels like he just went in huge speculation and, and causing it to blow up uh, overall. And that's that approach is what allows Vince McMahon to do all the shit he's done, right? Because it's yeah. it's again, it's so much rumor in this business and it minimizes the severity and again like the way that they handled this situation from the beginning it you know this leaves a stain um on something like this again and it affects other situations where someone may have you know like like you said provide an article provide facts so you know should something else happen next week now you know, unfortunately, people use this as like fodder for that to be yeah, like, yeah. oh, well, the Jericho situation, you know, like we didn't know what happened, whatever the fuck. Right. And yeah, yeah. again, like it's it's this lack of seriousness that yeah, the reporters yeah. have around pro wrestling in general, because it's pro yep. wrestling totally that gr- enables yep. and allows for the proliferation of predation in pro wrestling because we have seen it from top to bottom from speaking out in Europe to the horror yep, stories yep. of the pro wrestlers of the eighties and nineties. Oh to, yeah. You know, modern day fucking monsters dude that like, this is not a one-off, but this is a systemic issue in this industry is sexual abuse and misconduct. So you know, when you hear something like this about a guy who's been in the business for 30 years, your mm-hmm. mind is going to go off yep, because, yep. you know, this isn't some dude who's gotten canceled after a year in the business and fucking IWA Mid-South. This is yeah. a guy who has had his hands literally in just about every company, been just about every locker room. So, yeah, making a blanket fucking vague accusation like this is going to make people go crazy and it's all in the end as it always does usually the fucking online vitriol will go very towards the victims and yeah, that is the that's, saddest that's sad that's because sad. you're going to have people online the jerichoholics whatever defending him and they're going to gear their hate towards the victims and you know it's you know people need to do better with stuff like this and um also i the, i haven't seen anything from the scrum so we could talk about it then the only yeah, thing yeah. i saw was uh the hat and glasses tony Khan wore while addressing this <laughs> yeah and i completely agree with you that him again this is another addition to it right um or another ripple in it is that him not addressing it from the get-go like you said shows that it's not an important issue for them because yep, if no yep. one asked that they would not have said it so they can't claim to have been in front of it, to have thought about it or anything, because to them, 
by by not bringing it up from the beginning because this yeah. is about the serious thing in the company, right? That's happening. Yeah. Um, you know, you had a pay per view, but your one of your top stars is, you know, it's just fucking crazy. Um, and it was just the I thought just a very gross handling of it by Tony Khan oh, as well. Yeah, horribly. It couldn't have gone worse. <laughs> like how it happened. Um, you know, when you look at it, um. You know, and like you said, because he's been around, because we know how this business has gone for so long with a guy who, you know, everything you see about him, his behavior on Twitter and everything else makes you believe this guy's probably stuck in the 1990s, you know, (laughs) if not the 80s at this point. And he probably hasn't grown up very much. He doesn't seem like the most mature guy when I when I look at his Twitter behavior in the past. Obviously, this is a whole new level of seriousness, but. It's something you could totally believe, you know, like if that something happens, something bad and whatever happened. Again, if there was any kind of involvement that was uncomfortable, it should have been de- made uncomfortable to Kylie Ray. It should have been dealt with. And it might have been something, a miscommunication that wasn't as bad as he's trying to make it seem. And, and But it was still bad, you know, if a lot of the rumors coming out. And again, I don't even want to speculate on, on it, uh, you know, because it's so unsourced and we don't know anything. But if he made a pass at Kylie, that's something that still should have been taken care of, but could be fixed and isn't unforgivable if nothing happened, you know. But if something did happen, even if nothing happened, though, for Tony Khan's sake, I just feel like, you know. And then another thing about this, too, speaking of Houseman, it's worth mentioning. He's been at these press conferences before, like you had these media scrums and stuff with Jericho there, and he didn't bring this up at all. Like the, like all of these years that we've had this in AEW and he, he's been sitting on this, you know, it's why, 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 why did it have to be this way with some, for something that's so delicate and a person's life we're talking about, you know? Um, but as far as uh, Tony, I like, it couldn't have been handled worse. Like it could not have been done worse. I feel like this is a, this is something that you wouldn't see most companies and and not just in wrestling but even in Hollywood all over the place in entertainment. There's a saying: absolute power corrupts absolutely, and that's been proven true in humani- with humanity. You know, not just one particular spot. You know, anything we look at, we could probably dig and find something hor- horrible that comes out of it. But to handle it like this, if you're the owner, even if you have already investigated it. Like if you did it five years ago and, and you talked to him, you set him down and you figured out the truth and you said, Hey, let's figure this out. And everything and nothing terrible happened. Uh, maybe you figured it out. You still should have commented on it and just said, Hey, I'm going to investigate this to try and figure it, figure out. We take this very seriously. We can't have this here. This is no place for this kind of thing. I think he also should have said, first of all, not And again, even for Jericho's benefit, if he is innocent, which I don't – again, I hate judging somebody without all the facts, but just the feeling of it all makes you automatically presume the worst. And, and you were totally right on that, and even for me, that's true. Uh, but uh, if you think he's innocent or if you think he's guilty, even for his benefit, the company's benefit, the fans' benefit, everybody's benefit, I think he should have been taken off of this card in all honesty. Like, we're going to talk about it when we get to his match. The fans, you know, it wasn't, it's not like everybody booed him, but it was noticeable. Like, you could tell that a lot of fans were not happy that he was here. 
uh, even compared to the usual amount. Uh, and I also think that the first thing he should have done, instead of waiting for, and you put uh, poor Julia Hart in a terrible position sitting right there in a situation she has nothing to do with, uh, being here while you're answering, like you said, what should be a very serious situation. You're wearing these stupid ass wig and glasses and all this for something that should be serious. First of all, you should, if you were in that situation, he should have just taken the five seconds to take the damn things off and, and treat it serious about somebody's life. But secondly, what he should have really done is the very first thing we see on that scrum is he should have walked out and made a statement right away, basically saying, we are conducting an independent investigation. It will not be by AEW or anybody source close to Jericho. We're having someone investigate this entirely, and we will uh, find the truth one way or the other, and we will handle it from there. And then he could say, no more questions on that. I've made my statement. We will have an investigation, and we will get to the bottom of it, and we will react to whatever we find then. Instead of what he did, which was unfortunately just – like you said, make it not serious when it's such a serious thing. And it shows you how little, you know, wrestling did make some improvements with speaking out and just over the years in general as a society, right? Uh, there were some improvements, you know, Joey Ryan, David Starr, the worst of the worst. Those guys are gone. And that's a, that's a great thing. But it shows you when you are a top level star and probably somebody that Tony Khan has been very much a confidant of his I, I would presume somebody who's very intri intricately involved with booking. We know with his own booking, but he probably really respects Jericho and loves him a lot uh, as a fan before he ever started AEW and has a lot of personal emotions to him that I understand that in some ways, you know, you, you, you are always going to have emotions towards people that you feel like you're close to. That's a very human emotions. Uh, emotion but that's why you have to let the independent people who can take the emotion out of it go into these investigations and i thought tony khan if you were giving him a letter grade on this it's absolutely f minus like how he handled it and it's a shame that we're talking about this and it blew up in the news but regardless uh the the thing is we just don't have any you know like i said there's no allegations to even comment on and that's what makes this whole thing so difficult but like you said Obviously, as a fan, because it's happened so many times with different people in the past and, and Jericho's fucked up in many ways in his own ways, maybe not this at this level that we knew of, it's natural that you would presume the worst. So I'm not blaming anyone for thinking that, but I just think it's wrong that we have to we were we were all put in this position and Kylie more than anybody else deserves to be supported and loved at this time. And I I hope personally that she gets through all this all right with no big problems. I hope nobody, and you know, it's worse because a lot of the, like you said, a lot of these fans are going to, you know, come at her negatively. And then she's probably going to be pestered by a lot of people saying, Hey, tell us this full story. Like we want to know, we, we need the scoop. We need to report on it. Some wannabe reporters out there and things like that. Just leave her alone, man. She's a human being. She's pregnant right now. Let her have her baby. This was not her situation that she put herself in. Uh, you know, she has done nothing wrong. She's a complete victim, no matter what happened, like with small, big or otherwise. And I think we all need to respect that right now. Yeah, no, uh, very well said. And I don't have much more to say. Do you, do you yeah. want to transition in a world's yeah. end? 
Yeah, well, like I said, we still have more on Jericho on the show oh, itself, but uh, but I've but I made I oh. made my my opinions uh, clear on that, and, and like I said, best wishes to Kylie, and hopefully that Tony Khan learns a lesson from this and actually bothers to take it more serious, which he should. I was very disappointed with, with that whole deal, and Nick Houseman just terrible reporter, like terrible ethics in that situation. I don't want to judge somebody's whole career on one thing, but I have no respect for how he handled that. World's End now. AEW, the show that came to us at the end of the year, uh, just a couple of days ago at this point. And yeah, uh, we talked about it on Wednesday. Uh, we did a show talking about the, the semifinals of the the Continental Classic. And we've covered every every show pretty much of that, or every match at least. We would come around by the end. And uh, I'm very proud of the coverage that we did for that. And hopefully everybody enjoyed it out there as well. Not to mention we did a... Uh, we also did a review on Final Battle too for Ring of Honor. Um, you know that was really well received, really good. A, a lot of people checked it out, even on YouTube. So thank you guys uh, for that. We really appreciate the love and support on that end. Thank you. And and um, for this show, World's End, uh, it took place from uh, Uniondale, New York. Uh, here they said they said Long Island, uh, close enough, I, I guess. I don't know the ins and outs of New York. Uh, there's so many boroughs and things like that. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to get get my New York in geography wrong here. So I apologize if I'm wrong to any New York listeners out there. Uh, they are at the Nassau Coliseum, a uh, historic venue for wrestling. This show, if you look at the rating on Cage Match, 5.52. 5.52 for, for a pay-per-view. For AEW. And this is the thing. No matter how bad their shows have gotten on TV, which there was a period before the tournament started that it was getting really bad. Everybody would always say. At least the pay-per-views will deliver and come through for us. And then you see five point five two on here. And a lot of them. You know, it's not just one person dragging it down. I mean, there's a lot of votes. There's over two hundred and fifty votes for this. Uh, and that's the average for it. There's not a single 10 out of 10. So even the biggest AEW fan that has not given this a 10 vote, uh, which is the only pay-per-view that's, that's ever happened. You did have a zero. You had a few ones, a few twos, a lot of threes, a lot of fours, and a lot of fives. So that's, uh, you know, you're looking at almost half of them below five. And I mean, that's justified when you when you look at the show i would i would argue yeah no i'm looking at the uh cage match page right now i have uh the events page pulled up pay-per-views only ordered in terms of ratings and this is a five point yeah 5.52 it is the lowest rated aew pay-per-view of all time according to cage match um the ones above are all out 2020 which was, my God, the show where Matt Hardy nearly died against Sammy Guevara. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big Swole versus Britt Baker. Um, <laughs> Jesus. The Natural Nightmares, Matt Cardona and Scorpio Sky defeat the Dark Order. Um, yeah, not the best pay-per-view. And then the other one above it would be Double or Nothing 2023, which we talked about from this past year. Um, yeah. You know, Cole and Jericho, etc. And then Fight for the Fallen 2019. So 
it seems like this is, you know, two of their lowest rated. Um, or actually, if you look at the one, two, three, four, five, six, half of the lowest uh, six rated pay-per-views are all from this year, um, which wow. is a pretty interesting uh <laughs> pretty interesting number with full gear and world's end both um both being at the bottom and coincidentally enough this is very interesting sorry this is like literally live analysis as i'm looking yeah, yeah. at this so if you can hear me like actively processing my apologies but so the last four AEW pay-per-views have been um god all in all out wrestle dream or no all out Wrestle Dream, um, Full Gear, and World's End. All Out and Wrestle Dream were main evented by John Moxley, Orange Cassidy, and then God was it Danielson, Zack Saber Jr. was Wrestle Dream. Yeah. Or no, yeah. no Christian, Christian and Darby Allen was Wrestle. That was the main Sorry, event, but it, yes. yeah, Brian and Zach was on the undercard, but yeah, yeah. Christian Darby was the main event. So that's where those I two match, those two shows. Are you ready for this? All Out yeah. 2023, second highest rated pay per view of all time. For AEW, 9.21. Wrestle yeah. Dream, the fifth highest rated uh, AEW pay-per-view, 9.02. The next two pay-per-views were both main evented by MJF are in the bottom five. So four <laughs> paper, the past four pay-per-views, the first two, not main evented by MJF, ranked in the top five of all time. The last two, main evented by MJF, rated in the bottom five of all time. That is That fucking says everything <laughs> not even something it says everything so god now you have to give it you have to give it up to revolution uh the mgf and brian match was uh like a, a great match and a lot of people loved that to me that show was built off the back of that whole match uh the revolution yeah, yeah so i will give them that. i mean the build was bad like a lot of people were complaining about the build to the show um but the problem is Brian's in the main event, so you know, so you know, no matter who's against him, it's going to be great. Uh, that was the same one. You also had Paige and Moxley, which is a match a lot of people loved. Uh, Paige, man, he's having a, a hell of a year when it comes to hardcore stuff. Uh, Hangman between that and the Swerve match, um, you know, and coming out with that. So but those were the two main things. Um, MGF, I, I just think the year as a whole for the company, his storyline and and how they built to his main events. And I'll say this. This was not the worst that we saw from MJF this year. I would put this match above the last couple he's had, like the, the Jay White and the Adam Cole matches. Oh, are we talking think, about Joe already? Uh, sorry, I was just bringing up MJF, but I would say oh, this okay. wasn't the worst. I Just in terms of a main event, I wouldn't put this as the worst. As a show, you could argue it's the worst. I actually thought the whole show, uh, we brought up Jericho earlier, but... You know, the first thing you messaged me was like, oh, shit, they replaced Keith Lee. <laughs> like, and it was oh like, yeah, it was. Oh, my God. Uh, so that went wrong right away. You had the Jericho thing. The crowd, to me, this whole show was really not that great. Like, I think this was one no. of the worst crowds uh, that AEW's ever, ever had. This was a uh, very bad pay-per-view crowd, top to bottom. They yeah. were there for their hometown stars, and it seemed like they – and Swerve – like the the chance they gave for Swerve was re- we'll yeah, get into really that, big. but other yeah. than that, it was absolutely like it was a chore, and you could honestly constant like even during um 
Kingston and Moxley and stuff, you could just constantly see people walking around and just leaving and empty seats and all sorts of shit. And it was kind of distracting for me. It was like this perpetual disinterest. I just saw something. I texted it to you. I said, check your phone if you want something funny that, that I just that I just saw online. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I uh, I just wanted to bring that up. Secret production meeting right now. <laughs> uh when, when I saw this it was it was hilarious. Oh wait, it's um, a link message. Oh no. Listen, it's <laughs> uh it's d- data points. So I want to resend it again here. Okay, now I think you got it. Are you here? Yes, um, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, I, I this is a live reaction. This is mainly for me. I, I apologize to the listeners. Oh, Am I supposed to talk about it? I mean, the, <laughs> we'll talk about it after the main event. We'll we'll, we'll have a laugh out of it because I, okay, I, okay. I just I just I just laughed about that overall. Um, but the show, the the crowd just wasn't with it. Like like you said, overall, and there were a couple that really got over really big, but the crowd just was not able to deliver on. What and and it's not just it's not them it's the show itself also it's not like it was a blowaway show just from the in ring uh, standpoint of it uh, going in there but the show itself uh, let, let's get into it uh, they did the battle royal on the dark hour uh, and uh, or the zero hour and my prediction was right uh, kill switch won and that played into the show as well uh, there so prediction. You you have to be a Dylan respector when it comes to the prediction game. I hear uh, Willow got a win over Chris Statlander, uh, and Hook beat Yuta uh, in the FTW uh, rules match. Uh, and there are nothing you know you have to go out there to see. The show started properly with Daddy Magic coming out, uh, <laughs> and uh, he's joining commentary like the guy you want like the one that really gets the crowd fired up uh daddy magic comes on for commentary <laughs> obviously a big part of that is because of the danny garcia deal and he, garcia was in this match he teamed with mark briscoe claudio castagnoli and brian danielson they took on the team of brody king jay lethal jay white and roosh mishmash teams here uh in, in a lot of ways but obviously just Basically, the guys who got left over from the Continental Classic, they put them in this eight-man match here. So, what do you think of this idea? We we uh, we didn't cover this because the match hadn't been announced when we did our predictions. But what do you think about this idea of putting the other guys into their own match? Um, it was funny when I was driving home. I was listening to the post um, review of Dynamite and World's End preview just to kind of like get myself back into like the storylines and everything and yeah they're like it's really nice they're giving off danielson a night off before uh before wrestle kingdom so some of these matches i didn't know were happening um so like i had no clue this was really happening uh yeah like i said we 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 reviewed it it's just this wasn't announced when we did exactly so and i was staying off social media uh so like I said, I didn't find out that Dustin Rhodes or Keith Lee was replaced till it fuck I watched the show. Nobody like, knew about that until it happened. Like even live, like that's not something that was announced beforehand until like the show was starting and they're like, Oh, Keith Lee's out. I, I think oh he even God. said something like, Uh, you know, I'm I'm hurt right now. I forget what it was, but he was like, I I'm gonna fight through it. I I'm gonna go in. 
And then the show started and was like, he's been replaced. I was like, oh, I guess not. Oh uh, so get well, get well soon, Keith Lee. Maybe may we one day have this Keith Lee and Swerve match, which seems doomed to never happen. Dude, now Keith Lee is Shane Taylor and Swerve is Keith Lee. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is what's happened. Um, rest up, Keith Lee. Big love to your friend. Um, this was cool. Um, you know, again, like. This, I thought, could be like your Rampage main event from the night before. Um, I'm happy everyone got a pay-per-view paycheck. Um, this was a fun match. Uh, the the first ever time, if I'm not mistaken, of Danielson and Jay White in the ring was cool. Um, I loved the finish of Daniel Garcia getting the win. This match seemed yeah, that was very great. centered around Garcia, honestly. Um, and again, we got some good storyline stuff coming out of this. You had Sanjay come down with Lethal at the end. Um, I don't know. Lot, like This was a gr- great match in terms of just it was the final bow on the Continental Classic, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, a lot of things that happen in this uh, that these pretty much everything from the tournament uh, in this for storytelling purposes and then lots of stuff looking towards the future. I liked it. Um, Dude. Oh, my God. There was one thing. Oh, when Brody King went up and yelled at Matt Menard. Yeah, that was funny. I thought that was so funny. Disrespectful. All the justice for Daddy Magic. But, yeah, this was. This was one of the best matches on the show. I could say that for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> yeah, I give this one like a three and a half, three and three quarters. Um, you know, I, I will say like I just I think it was because this felt so thrown together um, and kind of like. Uh, it's sort of like here's the thing, right? The Continental Classic was such a success, but I think that this shows that. TK maybe didn't have enough stories outside of it, right? Yeah. Going on as well. And I think he could have had more. Um, And yeah, but still a great way to open the show. I think, yeah, great opener. (laughs) I think in hindsight, what I would have done with Keith's injury and everything going on, and we're talking about him in a second uh, and Andrade and all that. But I would have just put Swerve and Andrade in this match and make it a five on five. Put the whole crew in there instead of breaking them off because none of those singles matches were you didn't need to have them <laughs> like you didn't gain anything from them, really, other than you got a big swerve chant in the singles, I guess. But you would have got that if he had come out in this match like he would have gotten a huge reaction anyway. Uh, put him on the BCC team and put Andrade in the other team. <laughs> you could have Andrade and Roosh team up together one more time. Uh, I would. That's what I would have done. You didn't need the other two matches, in my opinion. Just put all five of them and make it a tradition. You know, at the end of the day, if you're in the CC, you get an automatic pay-per-view spot. I win or lose in this match. Um, match was great. My favorite part. Uh, my favorite part of the match to me, uh, I really loved when it came down to Claudio and Brody in the ring. Uh, I thought they fired up. They were doing their big power spots. The crowd was getting into it. <laughs> The two power guys going at it. Claudio hit a wild, like, uh, the supl- the hanging suplex. And then Rusha Danielson started to go at it. And I was like, yes, this is my dream match here. Uh, their match earlier this year was, like, one of my favorite matches of the whole year. And they were awesome again. And then they did a deal where, like, Rush and Brody, they, like, ran past each other to hit cannonballs in the corner. It was awesome. Like, that part, that whole part, I was like, yes. Like, this is my wrestling 
Um, and then they did the no, traditional it, thing at the end where everybody like hit their finishers and stuff, you know, like the the you know the big knee, the Blade Runner got hit at one point, uh, and then in the end, uh, Garcia was able to get the win on Lethal. He countered the Lethal ejection. So yeah, like you said, good booking, good match, and some great spots in there. Great action. Yeah, great. Uh, last note for me, but great note on the Danielson and Roosh um, getting those, uh, and with White as well. But just having the the cross block interactions was really fun yeah yeah totally uh good stuff here and this was uh to me uh this early going i mean they kind of got through these matches and made them not even seem that important either like a lot of these early going ones and that one at least had hot action and great great stuff uh to witness so that's that's a really good signal for them i love the idea of putting them together and the win was good the match was good 7.39 on cage match. And I think that's about where I'd have it as well. You know, I agree with you three and a half, maybe three and three quarter. Uh, On this show, I think I might be a little nice to it and give it a three and three quarter. (laughs) Uh, Just because I'm trying to increase the the classes like curve on the exam. (laughs) All right, guys, if we rate these ones a little higher, the average won't be so harsh. That's right. Well, listen, that's about to go come to an end (laughs) as we get to the next matches. Uh, Miro and Andrade. Um, we didn't need this match. This was not a pay-per-view match. I was excited for this. And this was the equivalent of fucking Goldberg and Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, man. Um, I, this was the most nothing. Like it was crazy because like, this was not the same Andrade we saw in the continental classic whatsoever. Uh Um, horrible finish. Like, just god-awful finish. The whole C.J. Perry thing, I do not care. Oh, yeah, uh, exactly. That's what f- fucked it up. But, like, the that C.J. storyline is the dumbest. We we talked about it on the preview. It's like, what happened to God's champion? Like, why did we have to get into this wife angle that is so stupid and, and behind the times? And I didn't I didn't like it. I didn't really even understand it that well. And I definitely didn't understand why they put it on TV. And I double don't understand why it was on pay-per-view. Uh, nothing about any of that with CJ was was good at all. Imagine if the storyline was just like, like you removed all of the weird domestic stuff. And it was just like, she's just kind of being a dick. And like, you know, trying to manage, you know, what you think is Andrade. And then you find out, oh, they were just trying to take him down the whole time. Cool, simple. Let's, let's ship it. Right? Yeah, basic but, angle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, like this was, I, I would say like this uh, on as large of a stage as this was, this is like a strong contender for both guys like worst match in the company. Um, in my opinion, like yeah. this again, like looked like a completely different Miro. Um, it felt very weird seeing Miro wrestle, honestly, because like, dude, I, I do not ever like, I feel like he's just getting worse with like the more time off. Yeah. I don't know, but, um, yeah, I, not much to say for me other than that this was just completely forgettable, um, under-delivered in pretty much every way. It was very slow. Like, this was a very WWE Miz-style match. Oh, man. And, like, it's hard to argue. I, I didn't think this was a, a good match at all. Like, I thought it was really – the finish sucked. The story sucked. The action wasn't what it near. Listen, I'm the biggest Miro fan that there could ever be. I've always thought he was super underrated in the ring. 
And he was one of the best talkers at one point. Like he was one of my favorite promos when he was the champion <laughs> and just a badass wrestler. But he's really regressed lately. Uh, and there's a lot of rumors about him. Again, I don't want to accuse anyone of dogging it, but you know, there's a, a lot of, Hey, this won't work for me, brother. <laughs> you know, when it comes to doing jobs, uh, some people think he just is hanging out and he's on his way out when he has the chance to leave and he's going to turn down creative until he leaves <laughs> if it doesn't suit him. And Andrade, it's almost all but confirmed he's done with AEW and he'll be going back to WWE. Uh, and that's dude, what's said by, yeah. What a shame because in our preview, I was talking about how, you know, we both agreed on Yeah, he's been revitalized. Yeah. Yeah, re- completely revitalized. Um, you know, Probably the largest focus and success of Collision outside of, you know, like, I was going to say the TBS women's division, but we'll get into that. Um, and yeah, just a fucking bummer, dude. This is the word. It's yeah. Do you ever see on Squared Circle? Sometimes people will make that post where it's like how to book the worst AEW World's End, right? This was no. like a very lose-lose example of that. Like shitty performance by Miro. Andrade's out after an amazing run. Perry and Mira's con- like story continues with this god awful shit, and it was just, you know, looking back, if this is the end at Andrade's AEW career, um, it sucks that this is his only pay per view match. Um, singles, you know. They had so much gas left in the tank, like to finally build something with him, because if you just judge him by as a wrestler. He's got all the tools you want, <laughs> you know, a great look, like really carries himself well. Like he he comes across as a real star whenever he walks out. <laughs> uh, cool move set, you know, and in a way that it's not so over the top spectacular that he can't keep doing for a long time. <laughs> like he's just, you know, a lot of the stuff he does looks like it has force to it. Uh, he's not like one of these high flyers that's only like makes everything look like a dance. He's a, a hard hitting guy, too. Uh you know, very charismatic. I just, I think they had a lot going with him and they never even scratched the surface of what they could have done uh, with him overall. And for him, it's probably better to be honest. I mean, his wife's in the other company. I'm sure black is probably going to be the next one to fall. uh, Speaking of wives and stuff in there and Miro, like I said, the countdown's on. I think that whole crew of like WWE mid card guys that left when Vince was still firing everybody, uh, it might they might be gone, you know, by the time 2025 rolls around. I, I think all of those guys might not make it. Maybe hey, another one. Where where do they fit back into WWE? Like their yeah. program is pretty goddamn full right now, you know. And yeah, they have a lot of guys. Yeah, that's <laughs> they tough. have a lot I, of guys, too. I think of those guys. I would think Andrade has the best shot uh, like if, if they all went back. Uh, because I mean, I don't know what Triple H Miro wasn't even around in NXT when Triple H was running it. So we don't really have a great grasp of how he, he would use him. The others he were, and he's always been a big fan of black, but black man, his, he hasn't been having singles matches. His body is breaking down and and I feel for him, uh, on, on that level. Hey, black was one of my grandma's favorite wrestlers in WWE when he was still in WWE. Anytime we bring up AEW, she always says they never should have let black go. (laughs) Uh, he was one of the best ones and 
I think he could do something, but he kind of fell by the wayside as time went along. He's a guy that seems like he might benefit from a WWE format, you know, where it's not all on him to be so creative and, and use all of his ideas because a lot of his ideas are kind of crazy, <laughs> uh, to be honest, and not always the best. Um, Andrade will have the Charlotte factor. That's going to mean a lot uh, to Triple H. We know that. Uh, maybe they even put him together. Like Charlotte, while she's injured, may come out for him by as a manager. Like that could be something they could play around with. I think it would work. Like you know, with with him, he's got the kind of attitude that could pull that off. I think so. I'm not confident because, like you said, they have a lot of guys in WWE as well. <laughs> but if I were to bet on anybody, I think Andrade would be the one I think could could make it through and and be what we want him to be there. Yeah. Um... You know, I also it's he could go back to WWE. Fingers crossed. Uh, maybe he just does New Japan and CMLL. You never know. Um, that would be cool. But you'd think he could do that with while being in AEW, however, as well, which he already did. Technically, he was actually funny story. He was on the CMLL show the night before World's End. Maybe that's why he didn't really put in the, the best effort for this match, because he was man like he just had to come straight from Mexico to here. Hmm. I mean, speculation. I, I don't know. I mean, I know he was there. That, that's true. <laughs> like, I, I, I saw it with my own eyes. <laughs> but still, uh, I don't know his work ethic. Maybe he's just done. Like, he, he's just ready to go. I mean, to me, honestly, if I was a wrestler in AEW right now with everything going on with that press conference, like media scrum that happened afterwards, and I had a chance to get out, I'd think about it. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be. You know, I, I may need to duck out for for a little while of this company with so much bad, bad juju going on with AEW right now. Uh, the next match we had there, I get a nothing match. I, I give that two stars. What, what about you? Hero and Andrade. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's got a 5.56 rating. Uh, so they're a little higher than us, but not much. Like It was a mediocre match. I think we can all agree. Uh, the next match was rated even lower. <laughs> Cage match. Uh, 5.15. The women's title match. Tony Storm taking on Riho here. And Riho, she was always over uh, on TV. And it looked like she had a great response. You know, obviously, again, we always respect her as a wrestler in ring. I think everybody sees that she's good. Uh, they haven't. My complaint on Wednesday was that she has no depth to her character. And I think that kind of shined through in this pay-per-view audience, which was significantly more on Tony's side. And that put Riho in a tough spot because there's nothing worse than being an unover babyface, you know, and, and through no fault of hers. It's because they love timeless Tony so much <laughs> that they were all for her. And I think it totally hurt the match, in my opinion. What do you think? No, uh, compl- uh sorry. Yes, I completely agree on that. No, you're wrong. Riho was super over. It was that very weird um, crowd response that can definitely. And, and that's, you know, one of the issues of or one of the uh, ch- things that could happen in live wrestling is the crowd can very much dictate uh, a feel to a match that was perhaps otherwise not intended. Um, even I thought that this was the worst Tony's looked with her in-ring work. Like uh, I've, I've said before that I've liked her integration of um, wrestling and character more than you have. Um, 
you know, I liked the slams. I liked the sequence or not the sequence, but I liked the move where she walked back and forth on Riho. Like those little things work for me. Um, and the spot, my favorite spot in the match is when she sat on Luther's shoulders and he ran and she threw Riho off like monkey flipped her or whatever. But dude, anytime someone flips off the apron now, all I can think about is KZ versus Shun Skywalker. Like that is the image that's forever etched in my mind. Do you remember that? I think it was from like draw Kobe world or whatever, but anyway, sorry. No, that, um, that was the five way cage, but still I, I know what you're talking about though. Their match they had when Shun was the champion the first time. Uh, yep, yep. But it this just, is like an unofficial um, Shun love podcast. I feel like he gets mentioned every episode. <laughs> so, so for some reason, Dude, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. No, Shun's, Shun's Shun. awful, but yeah, yeah. Um, like, cause okay. For me, I don't mind gimmicky stuff like a lot, right? If it's if it's yeah, yeah. this dedicated, because to me, there's no real difference between this and a Neo Bashiki goon. And I fucking love, um, you know, May St. Michelle and my whole yeah. gang. Right? So to <laughs> yeah. me, like, that's what this makes me think of. And I really like that. Um, but it was just, yeah, it's crazy because like, dude, I feel this was the rare AEW pay-per-view. And I'll say this for the others women's match as well. And again, for Miro and Andrade, maybe not for Miro and Andrade in terms of story, but expectations at least. But this was really the first AEW pay-per-view where the fucking builds were better than the matches. Usually it's always the opposite. But like I was like, I thought the, you know, the matches Riho had um, on television were really good. Like I actually really liked her Ruby Soho match. Um I liked the whole reintroduction of her. I thought the Tony and Mariah stuff's been fun. And this just completely under delivered and underperformed. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'd give this one like, see, I'd give this one like a 2.5, like totally nothing offensively bad, but it just yeah. didn't ever hit a good, like it never became anything special or even memorable. I like this. I'd probably give this a slightly higher rating than the prior match, maybe a two and a quarter, but I'm more or less on your side. Uh, it's just a tough character to wrestle with, I feel like, because I like you said, she is clearly dedicated. Tony Khan, the people booking the show clearly love this and they've given it a ton of times, which is great for the division, even though I don't love her matches right now. Uh, I thought she was a lot better wrestler before the gimmick change. But still, it's great that she's getting all this time, and that kind of elevates everybody. And if you look at the build to it, Riho has not really done anything other than just wrestle. You know, they had the angle on Wednesday, which was pretty well done, where Mariah ran away from her. That was that was fun. Uh, Riho got a great reaction. Like I said, for whatever reason, the crowds really take the Riho, even though they're not really given any reason to. It makes you wonder, like. If they did give you a reason to get into Riho, how how much could she grow? You know, like with the fans, like they already like her, not even giving it, not even doing anything. What if they did let her do something like tell one of her stories, uh, things like that? Again, with all the Japanese talent, that's always an issue uh, with with me, with AEW. It's like they don't even try and it really hurts. You know, and someone like Riho, you could get into a lot of things if you wanted. Not as much as she, like Sheeta, you have literally a world of possibilities that could make her a great character and person on your show. <laughs> Riho doesn't have that much, but she does have some stuff. 
and you should try to cultivate that and make it more. And they didn't do that effectively at all. Although I did enjoy Tony's like her commentary and stuff was good. Like for the most part, I liked it. They brought the guy from, uh, what was that Turner Classic Movies on that that yep, one week? That was hilarious, dude. Oh my! And then yeah, when that they was gave awesome. her the the best actress award or whatever for yeah. the, the AEW title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even Ken, uh, shout out to to Grandpa Ken. Uh, when he when he saw that uh, the guy was on, he was like, "Oh yeah, I know him." And I was like, "Oh yeah, like this is that movie guy, right?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, he's legit. Like this is pretty cool <laughs> on there." So he, even Ken had to give it up for Timeless Tony on that one. But he didn't like the speech though. He thought that was kind of stupid. <laughs> but I, I thought it was fun actually, the the award ceremony and things like that. I, I'm into that. I like the character. I just don't think it works, or maybe it can. But I don't think it works in this particular context. I agree with what you said, though. If this was in, like, TJPW, this would totally be great. Like, everyone would love it. All of that style of fan would go nuts for it. And I think there's definite appeal to it. I'm not saying wipe the character from history. It was definitely better done than the devil, which we will talk about uh, going forward with your outrageous kind of gimmick wrestler. But, oh, also another thing I wanted to mention – I like the finisher that she had uh, too. Like she debuted this new move, uh, kind of like the Dude, the cat's she cradle. did it in NXT, like yeah. once. And I remember think she did it to Zoe Stark or whatever, and everyone's like, she fucking killed her. But yeah, yeah. it's like uh, like she puts Rio on her back, almost like a like a she throws her over and then cat, like twists her into a DDT. Into the, yeah, 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 yeah. Really cool. It reminds me of um, Jesus. What was it? Not. Oh my god. Koji Iwamoto, all Japan, like his judo oh, yeah, take, the, throw over or whatever, and then into yeah, a Koko DDT no Gage, pretty Gage much. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, no, and, and you know, I'm not going to put this as much on the performers because I think this match could have really well worked well in front of a different audience. I, I yeah, definitely I, I will say that this one yeah. is more like Miro and Andrade was an absolute nothing match where these guys didn't give everything. Both women here gave a lot. And I think that this is symptomatic of this being the absolute wrong town to do this show in because, yeah. you know, we'll talk about in the main event, but especially if you're gonna have the hometown hero lose, don't <laughs> yeah, like point, I, this should be a lesson that don't book a pay-per-view in a fucking town you're not ufc just for one dude right like book it in for a, a town that will appreciate wrestling in your show not just one that like salivates over a dude because thankfully you survived in chicago but you almost had you had already had to deal with that earlier this year so um and the crowd even turned on him at the end of the uh, the main event as well anyway yeah. so <laughs> you know yes, lesson you. fucking learned yes we will get to the main event which was a, a masterpiece of, of of epic proportions uh but yeah i like this and I, to be fair the show drew well like it got almost eleven thousand people in attendance which is a, a good thing for them you know at where they're at right now a lot of these numbers are not pretty like a lot of, for a lot of the dynamites and things like that so they at least got over the ten thousand mark and got almost to eleven thousand uh that is some success there but I like the crowd for whatever reason. Again, I really think that a lot of it was this stuff earlier in the day. Like we saw how much of an, of an effect that had during his match. Uh, and I think that really affected the crowd. It took them out of it in, in a lot of ways going in there. But I still though, regardless, whatever reason, the crowd wasn't into a lot of the show. And, and like you said, maybe this match in particular, maybe that would have worked better 
Uh, and it's in front of another type of crowd, at least. And uh, I'll bump it up two and a half here. <laughs> like, I'll give it that end. But I would put it a little ahead of the other match. And I'd love the finisher. There's pieces of this timeless Tony that I think can work. I just don't think she's fully figured out how to meld both her wrestlery self, which we saw when she was the champion the first time with the interim interim title. Um, we see that she's good, like a good wrestler. The character work has been really good, but they haven't quite come together for me. Uh, but yeah. regardless, it could have been. It, we wanted a lot better out of this match, bottom, bottom line. And hopefully Riho doesn't get lost in the shuffle as somebody who's like here for a month and then gone for 11. It's kind of her AEW story. Uh, I hope she sticks around and at least does something. They need to get to work on the Continental Classic for the women. I posted a thing on our Instagram about um, like uh, blocks I'd put together for the blue and gold blocks of the, the women's Continental Classic. So check that out uh, on the Twitter and the Instagram oh, and all that. What? I got to check that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll send it to you again. Uh, the, the, uh, the, thi- uh, the thing. Uh, see, see what you think. We'll talk about it after the show. I guess. See, see what you think of what I've come up with with that um the next match again we're like blowing through these matches here uh, like these early ones it, it seems like they didn't put a lot into them <laughs> to be honest um you know they come in oh no this is a part where they did have the thing where mariah came out and put the rose petals on her and all that hey is mariah may if this is like the neo bashiki goon is this does that make mariah like azusa christie wait like who Oh no! Wait, I think she was on the original, not the Neo. Like uh, uh, Azusa Christie. Like uh, she, when did she retire? That see, I went deep with that. You didn't even know what I'm talking about. When I okay, I started watching Tokyo Joshi in like 2019. I think she was. So it was it was just what Saki Sama and May Saint Michelle then, and then I saw like the big big reunions. um, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, when they brought everybody back. Yeah. Okay, so Luther would be May Saint Michelle. Mariah May is like Yukio Sakaguchi's character, maybe. <laughs> well, the problem is with Mariah's character, she's about like her whole deal, her whole promo was like, yeah, like now that I'm here, it's all about Mariah. So she's already like formulating that she's going to take over Tony's spot eventually. And I think that's where this is all going to head. I think most people think that as well, but it's fine. Uh, they did shout out uh, Killer Khan, rest in peace uh, to him as well. Uh, legendary wrestler there. And Curtis Chapman as well. Uh, Mag Kurt. Uh, rest in peace to those yes. guys. Uh, you know, tragic losses. Especially Mag Kurt because he was so young. Uh, on there. You never want to see somebody go down, uh, you know, like that. But hopefully, wish all the best for their friends and family and their fans, of course. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, a lot of great memories are there. And that was a really good, you know, and a, and a show with a lot of questionable moral ambiguity on this show. I thought that was a great thing to shout out those guys. I wanted to shout that out myself. Yeah. Uh, so they go to an interview with Dante Martin, uh, and he's cuts a not great promo. <laughs> he was like, ah, you know, I'm good, but I need to be great. And then OC shows up and hey, he's like, Hey, you're a champion. I need your title. And he, OC's like, yeah, let's take it to the ring. Uh, dynamite and uh, so i mean that'll be a good match probably on, on dynamite but weird that they're setting up it on pay-per-view but that's like a wcw thing use the pay-per-view to set up tv <laughs> stupid <laughs> like yeah. uh, overall but whatever uh, next match again 
Keith Lee got replaced. And what a replacement they chose. Swerve versus Dustin Rhodes here. So this was... The thing is, if this had just ended... Uh, Dude. <laughs> early, it would be okay. Like like with the ankle injury. What in go God's so f- name did they make them go further than that? I would go so far as to say that if Dustin came out here, Swerve just fucked him up, did the concrete block thing, um, and then Dustin's being carried out, and the visual of him being carried out while Swerve is in the ring just standing there, like just like statuesque, while the entire audience just fucking showers him with yeah. his house, Swerve's house. Outside of MJF and Eddie, Swerve was the most over person on this pay-per-view by a mile. And if you had that... And then, like, when Dustin's at the top of the ramp being carried out, they just hit his music again, and Nana starts dancing with the whole crowd. That's a Daniel Bryan fucking Royal Rumble Bray Wyatt moment, dude. But no, instead, they had the 50-year-old absolute no one. They said, said, hey, we had a Keith Lee versus Swerve Strickland match. And instead, they could have taken anyone in this fucking company that's bigger than Dustin Rhodes. Like, Which means nearly anybody. <laughs> that would be also bigger. If I'm Tony, I'm pulling Danielson from the fucking eight man, dude, straight up. Like, you don't, if you have a match and someone gets pulled, you don't book someone that's lesser in terms of star power and excitement or whatever. This is a match that we saw happen already months ago when this feud first started. Um, and fucking Swerve destroyed Dustin. That was the entire like story back then. Um, so why are we back here? This was so dumb. And dude, like this was MJF JY levels to me of just fucking stupidity and booking of Dustin getting his concrete block. And then, oh, dude, it's actually the more he walks on it, the better it feels. You know, um, everything about this once the match started sucked um, like and. I don't put that on Swerve's performance. I love the house no. call shot at the end. I thought he murdered yeah. Dustin. I did not. I don't think Dustin looks good. I did not think he was the right guy for this spot. I thought the layout of this match sucked. Like whoever the producer for this match was, if there was one, like, what are you thinking? We do not need to give this guy his flowers or even a showcase when you have Swerve as hot as he fucking is. I thought that this did nothing for Dustin Rhodes and it only hurt Swerve. Yeah. And the good thing about this is like, this is the one time the fans did show up was for Swerve. They loved this guy. First of all, I thought it was dumb booking in the first place to have you like this heel angle. The crowd loves this man. He Like you're fighting the crowd now. He's not a heel. Like everyone loves him. They want to do the dance. He, and he's awesome. Like, why are you fighting this? Like, overall, with this heel angle, and what you said is so true. Why, Dustin? And, and listen, I respect Dustin Rhodes. Uh, he is a, a very talented wrestler. Always has been when he was younger, even as a veteran. But this was so dumb how they did it. Like you said, it was so illogical and stupid. We have to call it out. We can't pretend reality does not exist before our eyes here. Uh, this could have been pretty much anybody, like you said, um, that would have been better. And it, like I said, I would have had it be a heel, like, you know, somebody that we already don't like. And you could do something with that. 
um, or something. Great point. Because, like, yeah. sorry, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, we see that Swerve is rising, right? And assuming that he goes after Joe now, like, how – why do you put him against a supposed – Babe, like legend baby face right like it's yeah. just the wrong move because it's almost like they're it's like you're setting up swerve to you know hypothetically not be fucking cheered which is yeah. so dumb so stupid like, <laughs> i think i would have had it be it's tough because you had all of the spots in the, in the edge and christian match so you wouldn't want to take one of those guys out either, uh, you know, because like somebody like Nick Wayne would have been perfect for this. Like you could have called back to the angle where they broke into his his house or whatever uh, or his gym. And that which to me was like one of the best angles of the year, like with Fox and Swerve breaking into the gym, making him call Darby on the phone. Uh, he he we know Nick Wayne can bleed like hell. Have Swerve destroy him and just laugh about it, plays into his character and it's a guy we all hate anyway. You can do anything you want with Christian. That could be something you go to down the line. You know, he can move on to MGF and maybe you can bring Christian versus Swerve for the title in a few months. I think that's what I would have done. And again, all of the guys in the main event. I mean, this was a loaded show in terms of the entire roster seemingly needing to be on the show. Uh, or what if it was Jericho? Like they did an injury angle with Jericho to take him out. Like instead of having him in the tag match, this could be your excuse to get him off of TV. If you're even thinking about that, if you're the booker, just have him destroy this man. He would have gotten huge ovation for it. And we wouldn't have to see Jericho for a little while until you get everything sorted out. Yeah, no, great points all around. Like I just, it could have been, it could have been anybody realistically. It could have been drillistico. Like if, if you wanted, it would have been better. And definitely that no matter who it was, the execution sucked. Like you said, Th- that stuff about, oh, he, like I said, if he had just got carried Dude. out, like you said, even with Dustin, it would have worked anyway. It's just everything after it was so s- shit. So imagine if they actually wanted to do a match, right? You take out the like because you don't need the Dustin angle. If it's not Dustin in terms of the concrete block, I'm like, dude, who you want to do a match of swerve versus a really fucking big guy to put swerve over. Okay. Who's someone that just absolutely has shown up in AEW lately that could use a really cool pay-per-view spotlight. That's definitely earned it massive and can take a loss. Dog, I would have put in black Taurus here. Like, yeah, if they were going to wrestle. Yeah, that, that would be a great match. If, they if you're going to do a 10 minute yeah. match, regardless, yeah. take out the opening angle and you just have them go to a 10 minute war. You make Taurus look great and defeat and Swerve still looks like an absolute star because in that situation, Swerve is going to get fucking cheered. Right. 100 yeah. percent, because Taurus is just an imposing figure at that point. He's not heel or baby face to a fucking a crowd. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it's just like. I don't subscribe to the whole like, well, let's give Dustin a spot or whatever. And some fan tweeted, I saw like some fan tweeted, it's it's a crime like that Dustin and Swerve <laughs> went longer than 30 seconds. And Dustin responded with, fuck yeah. you. And then the fan <laughs> was like, am I not allowed to have my opinions? And he's like, no, no. you're dumb. <laughs> fuck you. And it's like, dog. Uh, like, <laughs> see, then, I'm telling you, man, some of these guys are going to want out of this company <laughs> like eventually. Like, come on, man. Come on, Dustin. you got to be smarter than that. And like I said, I respect his in-ring game and what he's meant in the past. 
Uh, but it's just no, like no, you're so stupid for saying that, brother. I'm sorry. Like uh, you know, like that was so dumb on his part. I'm sure there's a lot of tensions running high. I mean, not just now. I mean, go back for years at this point. I mean, ever since the brawl out thing with Punk, I'm sure there's a lot of tension with a lot of people behind the scenes there. And uh, this seems like the latest outburst of that. But yeah, that was so dumb on his part. I I, I have to condemn it. Uh, him saying that to the fan. Uh, great point on your part as well. Uh, next match. The eight-man tag with Jericho, Guevara, Sting, Darby. They took on Ricky Starks and Big Bill and the, the Callis family of Powerhouse Hobbs and uh, Kanosuke Takeshita there. Um, the crowd was not not into Jericho as much as you as they have been in the past. Uh, they, they He did have people singing the song. But it it was close. It was like probably 60-40, maybe. Like, you know, like a lot of people booed and didn't want to see any of this, <laughs> I don't think. And look at the reaction on Cage match. The <laughs> um, sort of a Dustin match got a 4.43. I think that's kind of generous. I'd put that at like, to me, dud. I don't think any good came of that match. Other, no, maybe a I quarter star. Agree. I'll give it a quarter because I have a du- uh, other duds to give out, but more so uh, at least the crowd was in the swerve so much that it, I don't think it hurt him too much, but only because of that reason. And this match 3.53 for this eight man, the, the fans don't want to see this. Like the, this black crowd of Jer- this black cloud of Jericho is weighing on the fans. No, and it's one of those things like remember Velveteen and NXT when everything was yeah. going on with him yeah. and then he started feuding with Adam Cole. And it's unfair to fans because these companies don't say anything publicly about anything ever. And then yeah. the, we're left up to make our own fucking like it's like, hey, dude, I don't feel comfortable with this. But like now you're making people take sides in a situation that you could just definitively end. Right. Yeah. If you're just yep. fucking honest. Um this match was nothing, dude. Like even even if Jer- if this situation wasn't happening, this was such a nothing match. Um, yeah. One positive, I thought it was Fletcher and Hobbs announced for this, so I'm happy Takeshita got a fucking pay per view match. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that's something at least. That's something at least. Um, like, dude, Sting and Darby in this, it was such an afterthought because they were literally the most odd men out here. And it's really weird. It's Sting's big retirement tour, and you didn't have shit planned for him otherwise than uh, last minute. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's the next pay per view is going to be headlined by this guy, and you literally had nothing for him on this one. Like, that's fucking dumb. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know if they were holding him out or trying to keep him safe. I don't know. But um, this whole match was bad, really, really bad. No one came out looking good from it. No one will remember this. Um, I don't like making definitive statements like that, but I feel comfortable doing it here. Guevara getting the pin on Starks is so fucking disappointing. Um, you know, I thought Takeshita for sure. Yeah, I, I thought for sure it would be Takeshita that took the fall when they, they swept it out. Yeah, no. And when Takeshita came out, I was like, OK, so are they going to get the win now? Because I thought Fletcher was taking the pin. Um, and then I was like, oh, shit, maybe they'll pin Darby or Jericho, like pinning Jericho would make sense. I don't know. Um, it's like when Jimmy Uso got his DUI and then he came out and got the pin in Saudi Arabia. 
Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, or Dax, or what was it? Cash got his fucking gun arrest, and then he got the pin at Wembley. Like, oh, yeah. Shit like <laughs> that. that where it's like, worse, yeah. And again, it's like optics, right? Like, these things, yeah. people understand things, right? Like, fuck. Um, but yeah, like, cool. Now it looks like we are absolutely going to get Chris Jericho and Santa Guevara in a feud with the tag team champs. And, you know, I think the people who come out looking the worst here, other than, other than the people who are already, you know, under the thumb of Don Callis and just going back to this past Wednesday again and the fact that AEW does this awful fucking thing lately where they acknowledge how bad their storylines are on television. Yeah, yeah they like, love doing that lately. <laughs> dude, Stark's calling Jericho a vacuum that sucks up everything. And then in the same exact feud, Sammy, <laughs> who is nothing that's been sucked up into Chris Jericho vacuum, has the audacity to then call out Don Callis, which is also valid, though. And <laughs> yeah, say all that these points are true. About, yeah, to say that to Keshe and Hobbs, no one remembers their big wins because they're overshadowed by you. And it's like, OK, so it's a bunch of young dudes fighting for two old guys who are absolutely fucking their careers over. But yes. they're like totally gung ho about it. And you know what? The young guys are the only ones who look like fucking idiots because Jericho yeah. and Callus look smart as hell for being able to fucking wrangle all these young dudes together. So, God. yeah, like you said, those promos were valid on both Gravara and Stark's parts. But. First of all, by saying it like that, you just make everyone look stupid, except for the guys, like you said, the old bastards behind all this and the ones we don't want to see. Again, re regardless of any accusation, just judging him as a talent, uh, Jericho doesn't do anything for me <laughs> these days, man. I don't need to see him in these feuds. Like, he's only slightly better than the Callus, who just, like, he is just unbelievable to, to deal with. And has made that faction, the people in it, just worthless, unfortunately. Even though they have a lot of worth, they have a lot of great talent, they should be top stars. Like Takesha and Hobbs, to me, are main event level players, if you wanted to, to build around them. But instead, they're doing this stuff. Um, but I was pretty sure that they took Fletcher out because he was the champion. And they were going to pin Takeshita. So I was surprised they went ahead and pig, pinned uh, Starks. Um, and again, if you even if you think... Jericho's completely innocent and they come out tomorrow. If Kylie Ray came out tomorrow and ab absolved him of all of this and everything was good and they did the investigation and there was no crimes committed and blah, blah, blah. If he was the greatest person alive and donated all his money to charity, he still sucks as a, as a wrestler. Like, and I don't need to see him on the show at the end of the day, but I do think actually everything going on today I think really affected him based on how he looked in the ring. I don't, there was something about his movements and I don't want to psychoanalyze anybody or anything like that, but he definitely didn't seem like he was on his game, even compared to his usual level. Uh, and the crowd obviously were not buying it. The one thing I will say about this match, Takeshita is awesome as always. Uh, anytime he was in the ring, he was doing good stuff. He wasn't in the position to do great stuff a lot of the times. And Darby, bless him, had no problems going like just being his lunatic self, even in this nothing match that, like you said, I'm sad because I am the number one fan of sting matches at AEW. Yep. 
I, I love all of his stuff. Like even when people were kind of down on him at first, everyone loved him because he was doing crazy dives off the, off the ladders and stuff like that. And I loved all those too. Don't get me wrong, but I've loved all of them. Like I think sting is awesome. His presence is awesome. I would have had sting and Darby get the tag title shot. If you're going to do, do that. But instead this match, I want to love all these sting matches. And then you, you just, you give me this, <laughs> you know, you give me this AEW. What are you doing? And the fans aren't buying it. It's not my, like it's not just my opinion. At the end of the day, you have to have some sense about you uh, overall. And I just this was a senseless shit match overall, and I didn't like it. Uh, but I, I will say this: I think three is a little low. Like I will say. I don't think it was like worse than the previous match, in my opinion. And we're just looking at it as a match. I would still say about two stars, but it wasn't good either. It wasn't yeah. even average. I thought it was well below average, but I think there was good in it. Certain performers looked all right in their wrestling. It's just the the cloud over the match made it really awkward and uncomfortable and bad. Yep. It um really negative air. And again, it's not fair to anyone to have to sit through something like that you know yeah yeah um, absolutely it's a shame it's, because the other guys have stuff to add it's just with this jericho thing it's gonna drag everything down like and even if they do the tag match the tag title match i don't think this is gonna go away unless you know somebody there's been no public comments by anybody involved in this with jericho thing at the end of the day um other than the emoji that kylie posted and, but they I was going to say, in retrospect, like (laughs) the match before this clearly illustrated that they're capable of calling audibles during a live pay-per-view. And the fact that, like, again, it just shows where their priorities are. Right. Which isn't to say that an injury isn't valid. It absolutely is. But of course, of course, this sort of situation should be just as valid as that because it's just as fucking serious. Um, absolutely yeah absolutely so but yeah i mean like for the match i would probably go god maybe a quarter under you i'll say one and three quarters on this one we continue our, our blessed stretch of <laughs> world's end this show sucks to this point people i just, I just want to point that out uh because we're getting into the tbs title match julia hart and abaddon here uh again <laughs> We just blew through these like five, six matches like so fast on the show. Um, we go to the Julia Hart and Avedon match, and they asked what the house rules are because we're bringing back the house rules for the oh, TBS yeah. title. <laughs> and Avedon shows the that biting is legal. Um, <laughs> so first, so first of all, they didn't even play. This is a dumb stipulation. First of all, but secondly, if you are gonna do this. They really didn't play into it that much. It's, it's not like the finish, like you know, like that was the finish of the match. Like somebody gets bitten or something like that. Um, but whatever. Uh, this match was was straight cheeks, <laughs> like bad, bad, uh, including the finish, which uh, was not biting. I think biting would have hurt more than what actually happened, which was Julia Hart doing a moonsault that she landed on her feet on, and they quickly tried to cut, do a pin afterwards. Yikes. Yikes, indeed. I was praising this storyline. Um, it's just cool. nice that they tried something different for the women's division, but yeah. I completely agree. Um, it did not work. 
I liked, okay, positives. I appreciated the character work in this match. I thought, like, to be fair, right, this is, like, you know, Good Burger 2 just came out, and I saw some reviews with people <laughs> are like, <coughs> have I talked about this before? But <coughs> people are like, this movie's all over the place. It's so weird. It's like, this is It's blah, supposed blah, blah. to be. I'm like, did you forget the first one literally had, like, a fucking tangent where they go to a mental asylum with Abe yes. Pagoda and a scene with fucking, like, some funk band? I'm like, yes, dude, Which this has awesome. always been absolutely, like, B-movie horror, right? So I liked it a lot when they're crawling around the fucking room, like, growling at each other. Yeah. Just because, it's like, I love GCW. I just went to King of the Death match. I like that shit, right? I love yeah, DDP. Yeah. I think all types of weird shit. Like, AEW was at its best when it's a buffet, right? But this just, like, outside of the character work, I did not think any of the wrestling really did. Um, you know, I didn't think, like, Abaddon has never been a great worker, admittedly. Like, I think she's way more of a, you know, it's all character, like, fiend-level shit, right? Um, yeah. And, but yeah, like, this this fell really flat. Um, the moonsault botch at the end was not great. Um what the about repetition. the chant from the crowd early on where they're like, this is spooky. <laughs> okay, I thought that was funny. Um, it was. It that was, was when they were crawling around, I think, as well, which um, the that was a good thing by the crowd. And like, see, that's something where it's like beef, right? Where it's <laughs> yeah. a unique chant for this type of moment. And then that shows that the buffet has worked, right? They like this course uh, then at least. But um, I did also like how Sky Blue ran in and they're just literally doing this like – they did the same exact spot on the turnbuckle running. Yeah. I liked it because they're just like two young evil women just running in and constantly throwing people off shit. Now I think that's funny, um, <laughs> but dude, yeah, I it, it just didn't click. And I think that um, and compare this to the sky blue and stat match on Dynamite, which we both thought was like I I didn't have a lot of high expectations going into that, but I thought they made that match really work well. And, and uh, yeah. Well, I was going to say, did you watch the Zero Hour? I did not, but I saw that Stat versus Willow happened on it, and that had some pretty negative reviews as well, saying, like, this was one of the most oh, off really? nights for both women. Um, really? I'm interested in checking it out. Cage match, yeah, I want to watch you know, that I now. will say for AEW women's matches can definitely fucking be biased. But um, I do want to check that out and see because, you know, I think, like, and poor Julia Hart, because she was caught in the wake of Chris Jericho during the show and in the post. That was so sad. Scrub. Yeah, I think that they also had a very unfortunate spot. But again, this match didn't really do anything to pull them out of it. Um, yeah, just unfortunate. But hey, I I'm I'm positives because I'm trying to be more positive this year because I curse too much and I can be very critical. Um, <laughs> but uh, two. Women's matches on an AEW pay-per-view that both went over 10 minutes. That is a bare fucking minimum, but they achieved it. Um, this was a good story overall. I also thought Tony Storm and Riho was a good story overall. And I am still excited to see what is next for both of these champions. Um, those are my positives coming out of, of this. Like, I'm grateful that we got complete stories where the end's the best. No, <laughs> but we got complete stories. I will accept that for now because no matter what, it is a point in the right direction. So uh, I am happy for that. I do agree with that. I think they were flawed in opposite ways almost where 
the Riho and Tony, it, it wasn't that much of a story, really, other than Riho True. just wanted the title. But they had some good angles to build it up and, and good moves from good character work from Tony, good wrestling from Riho. Like, you don't need a lot of complicated stuff. Uh, but the match at the end needs to deliver. If they if they had had a really great match, then I would have had no problem with it. This one, they tried to do a lot of experimental stuff, uh, and I like went in the total opposite direction. But still, I for I'm not a fan of that stuff personally. Like any kind of supernatural, all of that. There's a place for it. Like for something like DDT, which the environment is ridiculous. Like you don't have the same expectations. Nobody thinks. DDT should be like UFC and everything should be like a shoot style <laughs> company or anything like that. But for AEW, I think they should try to keep it in the realms of reality <laughs> the best they can. And they went outside the box with it. I think it was a good thing for this actual division, though, just because they never have any stories, period. Like you said, for to- for the women's division, Tony and Riho was a, a like a grand story. But in reality, it wasn't. So now you have this one, which has all of these this supernatural kind of convoluted stuff. But like you said, that's almost the point of it. Um, I, I'm in favor of that for this champion and for this gimmick. But like you said, the match it just didn't it just didn't work at all. And it's nothing against them, uh, other than if anything, maybe this this is something that should have been handled on TV maybe instead of a pay-per-view like ov- overall but at least they got on there that's a moment for them uh so shout out to them both i'm not going to hate on julia or abaddon uh but we'll see where the, she goes coming out of this and and also i will say on zero hour, i didn't see that match either i'm surprised by that cuz uh, I, I you know i've always really appreciated willow <laughs> and stats really won me over this year i thought she's done a great job as champion but yeah. one thing you will say about that is Stat, they brought it over. Uh, they brought it up on Wednesday, undefeated for a year, then two straight losses, like it did three days or whatever, uh, on there. So that's not good. But maybe no, Willow I, will be I, the next challenger for for Julia. I think you can tell a story too with Stat starting to lose because her whole gimmick has been giant killer undefeated, and it's like, yeah. you know, once you lose, I, I think of it as like, um, you know, in UFC, right? We see it a lot, like Peter Yan. When he lost the title on that um, knee against Aljo, dude has not won a fucking match since. And he was like on a streak before that. Yeah, right? yeah. Like it happens a lot where it's losing once can shake the core, right? Kind of yeah, the psych, yeah. like, oh, you know, throws you off. That's why I'm nervous about Volk coming up because he's coming off a pretty nasty knockout loss. But all the love to Volk on Wrestle Update. Um, shout, yeah. out Volk. <laughs> shout out Volk. Shout out Volk. But again, I don't really think they're talking about that much. But uh, I guess that's all to say I'm not investing too much in stat losing. Like I don't think that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that loses her stock. But now oh, it's what time about for Willow. Three, or Willow. Oh, yeah. it's like a future challenger. You're saying? Yeah. Has she not been hit with the mist before? But she fought the the darkness or or whatever. Or maybe she's still gonna succumb to the darkness. Oh, I have no I clue. Do you okay? Do you think Willow should turn heel? No, like no, she's yeah. she's a great babyface. She's one of the most unique and best babyfaces in wrestling, I think. And I yeah. this this needs to be a coming out year for her because she, if you look back at the year she had, she won the Owen Hart Cup, she beat Mercedes Monet for the New Japan Strong Title. <laughs> Under um, questionable circumstances, but nevertheless, <laughs> yeah, she fought Tony. 
or um she fought uh Soraya or Tony at World's End, or sorry Forbidden Door. Um, like, dude, she had probably the most high profile stuff. Like, yeah. if you look at the AEW women's division, she probably had one of the most successful years, but it none of it was really on like outside of Owen Hart. I feel like we need that fucking presence as a constant on television versus like a quarterly achievement, right? They need to start having consistency with her in a major way. Um, I would love her as the next challenger. Um, you know, I think that she could lose to Julia and then yeah. she starts to chase. I think we always need to chase. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, heart and blue, they, they leave. They're like, uh, arm and arm or whatever. Like the, the two best, the, this evil besties <laughs> that, that act they have going on, which I approve of, uh, pretty much. So no, now the next match. I know you want to talk about this. No DQ. TNT title. Adam <laughs> Copeland. Christian Cage. So one thing I noticed here. Right away. Uh, one of my favorite WrestleMania matches was Edge and Foley. Like the the hardcore match at WrestleMania yeah. 22. And he came out wearing the same gear that, that he had. Which already triggered me thinking, all right, somebody's getting set on fire. <laughs> like, like somebody's yep. going through a flaming table in this match. And how they did it, uh, well, let's get into it because this was an ODQ match. <laughs> I mean, this was, and I like it because they basically, we talked about it on our preview show. This is the match they set up that they actually hyped up that will be a crazy gimmick match like because everything else is pretty straightforward to this point in terms of just wrestling yep and now we have this crazy match <laughs> nick wayne was all over the place and the crowd woke up big for this uh like before this the crowd wasn't really into any of the first part of the show but for this match christian is such a great heel edge as a legend to a lot of the fans so the crowd went nuts for it uh, these guys have a history uh, Nick Wayne was out there taking bumps and doing crazy stuff uh, in there. Uh, they were going with it. The, they brought the kendo stick in. Uh, he was like telling Nick Wayne to give him weapons and stuff on that. Uh, he did a spot where he o uh, opened the the uh, the chair open and uh, sat on him while he did a Boston Crab. Uh, that was really good. Uh, they had the, the metal pipe or whatever uh, come in. Uh, and then Co uh, Copeland brought out the ladder. So to bring it in the TLC, right? Uh, and he like kissed the ladder when he brought it out. That was very unhygienic of, of edge, but he, he, he's not worried about hygiene. He wants to use the TLC style. Um, they, they did a power bomb off the ladder, uh, from Christian, which was insane. Uh, that, and it was freaking awesome. They did all kinds of crazy stuff. The tables came in, it turned into a TLC match pretty much. Uh, Shayna Wayne came out. Great spot. I thought like for this particular type of match, normally I hate to pull the ref out spot, but for this particular one, it totally worked. Uh, I thought, uh, and then Nick Wayne hit the Wayne's world, um, off the turnbuckle to the floor, which was really impressive. Like I have to say that was a great spot. Uh, edge kicked out of the, the kill switch. Um, cage pointed at Nick Wayne and said, use this. They set the table on fire as as I predicted at the start, 
And then Cage looks at Adam Copeland in the face and he says, go fuck yourself. And then suddenly uh, Copeland hits the spear on Cage. And of course, Nick Wayne is on the apron and here it comes. They do. They, they put the fire. Uh, they put more lighter fluid on the table and he power bombs Nick Wayne through the, t- the flaming table. And the, he almost fucked this up, and which could have been a horrifying uh, mistake because he powerbombed him so hard that the table like turned over, and he like he almost threw him over the table and set him on fire for real. Uh, so thankfully, uh, it didn't seem like any like tragedies happened on the show. Uh, but in the end, he came into the ring, hit the kill switch on Cage himself, and Copeland pinned him with the title with his own move. And set his uh, adopted son on on fire. This match, this was the best match on the show, in my opinion. Wow. Okay. Agreed. Um, yeah. This is a really fucking great example of how to set expectations for an absolute gimmicky. Like, this is a lot of stuff in here is, you know, maybe things that we would complain about or not complain about, but criticize in other things. But like, dude, the way they laid the stage for this, like you said, with the Shayna Wayne spot and everything. Um, Dude, was it this match where I think this is one of my new all-time favorite Nigel McGuinness moments? But Adam Copeland walks over and he's like knocking the shit off the announcer's table and Nigel is in the corner on the chair and he's in his little cabbie hat and he's like, ah, oh, Adam Copeland, you absolute monster. And Adam Copeland just says, shut your bitch ass up, Nigel. And Nigel just goes right then. And dude, he turns around in his chair, and just faces the fucking corner. And it was so seamless. And just like one of my favorite things on the show. I meant to take a video, but dude, I was crying at this that's fine um, you could tell you could tell nigel like he's deep into his british lore because this is that's the kind of thing you would do at a comedy spot on like coronation street or, or holly oaks like, right like that's and he just how, spins around yeah. in his chair dude it, was, it was per- it was perfect timing um and god dude no everything like it's this is everything I've wanted from Adam Copeland since he returned. This is the, and I mean from Royal Rumble, dude, like WWE. Um, this is the best program he has worked. Like the more this story goes, the the kind of more I'm like, this is, you know, the Shayna Wayne moment at the last match was for some people a bit of a jumping of the shark. But to me, it's like, how do you land that jump? And I thought they've landed it so goddamn well since. Um Everything top to bottom was crazy. Like, dude, Christian is so good at getting the most out of nothing. Um, He has really perfected this chicken shit character. Like, dude, you know, I was such a massive fan of one more match back in 2011 in his Orton feud then, you know. And I, I think that he was able to take that character and just make it into, like, a career-defining persona now. Um, You know, this... When when this whole feud started, you know, some people were like, "Okay, well, they're getting right to it." There were some criticisms, and I'm loving it so far. And I don't I don't know if they talked about this at the scrum afterwards or anything, but like this feels like it may do another. I don't know. I mean, we could talk about the next match if you want after Copeland won the title. Yeah, if there's, uh, I thought we need to give special credit to Nick Wayne 
Yes. Who was as much a part of this match as, uh, you know, like as, as either of the other two were in there. And, and I thought that he did a fantastic job. Uh, it was integral to make this match as cool and as wild and as crazy as it was. <laughs> but as you said, we were not oh, over yet. Real yeah, quick, Dylan. Um, yeah, yeah. That is how you properly integrate young talent as well, because we've complained a lot on this show about the lack of proper integration of young talent, right? Like yeah, your yeah. Don Callis family, Sammy's, et cetera. Um, yeah. You know, Nick was not in the match, but like you said, an absolute prominent part. They gave him that like, you know, uh, uh, quote unquote career making moment like Edge had in his match with Mick Foley at Mania, which dude, great catch. Cause I did not notice that about the jacket, by the way, but that was yeah. a very special moment. And, you know, We've complained about this with MJF as well. Being in dialogue with history but not doing it in a meaningful way, this was all very meaningful. For as slapstick and gimmicky as it was at times, this was a goddamn great match, like you said. Absolutely. One of the better, like, plunder matches I can remember remember this year at AEW, in my opinion. And by two of the, the OGs of this style as well. Um, then... Uh, we there was more to be had. Kill switch is here. Uh, he comes in with the uh, he just attacks Copeland, hits him with a choke slam, pulls out the chair, hits him with a choke slam onto the chair, uh, which uh, looked great. And then he comes out. He's like, I've got a contract. And I groaned at this. <laughs> I, I didn't like this at all. Like, I thought the match itself with the other part was great. This follow up was totally like, OK, we're rewriting the rules as it suits what we want to do in this story. Like we're not going to follow them. We're just going to change them. So we can do this one time thing. And uh, we get it. You like money in the bank. Why do you have to do it on AEW too? Like, I just, it, uh, it was really annoying, but it plays into the story. So he's about to cash in. Then Christian comes back over in his turtleneck. And he's <laughs> like, uh, I give me the contract. And they do the thing where kill switch is like, no way, fuck you, I'm about to cash in. And then Christian kind of like leaned into him and said something. That was the one thing I did like, because this is my main criticism of the patriarchy and all of this with Killswitch. Why? Why does Killswitch follow this guy and let him embarrass him and kneel, make him kneel and do all that bullshit? Why do you do that? I just, uh, I don't, I don't think there's any reason for that, man. But now they've established, or at least teased, that Christian has something on kill switch that's making him do his bidding. And so he gives him the contract. Uh, Christian hits the spear on Copeland. I do another well done part. Uh, yep, the they, kill switch in the spear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like another well done spot where edge won with his move. So he got him right back immediately with his, with his own move, <laughs> got the win. So he lost the title, but actually regained it uh, at the end. So, we both predicted Christian would retain the title, so we were both kind of right and both kind of wrong <laughs> at the same time. Um, I agree with you. At like the beginning of this, I was kind of like, okay. Um, I loved when Christian took it, and I was just like, you piece of shit in the best way. Yeah, perfect um, for his character, yeah. Yes, not like, a, oh my god, evil just won or something. Like, you piece of shit. It was just a very satisfying you piece of shit. Um, you know, again, like, and just in terms of, like, a little bit more, like, I don't know, deeper stuff with, you know, just, just the whole quote-unquote patriarchy. If Christian is absolutely posited as, you know, the 
the monstrous patriarch of this faction, right? So I think that him whispering it, uh, not Luchasaurus anymore, thank God, kill switch, like you said, um, that's absolutely what a patriarch would do, right? Like they would use something against you, weaponize like your weakness against you to bend you in a submission. And so in that sense, like I think that since they have established themselves as the patriarch and he is the patriarch, um, the Luchasaurus sort of dominance, like abuser victim uh, dynamic makes a lot more sense. Um, you know, it feels like we're definitely hopefully not in the bottom of the third with uh kill switch and Christian. Yeah. Story. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I, I could, I, this definitely felt like towards the end of uh, MJF and Wardlow, right? Like we're definitely getting towards the exploding point. Um, but dude, I, this was a great way to give Copeland a big win and then have kiss because we both said, you know, Christian is on a tear right now. And I think you could separate these guys for a little bit or dude, I think Chris or Adam could bring someone in maybe. And that's my right. I know exactly is, who you're talking about, dude. I, you know what I'd fucking mark out for? Tell us Christian kill switch versus Adam Copeland and Beth Phoenix. <laughs> well, I, I think they could. I think that's going that way. I think it'll be Christian and, and uh, Shayna Wayne uh, versus Edge and Beth or Adam and Beth. Dude. Yeah. And I, I, I'm like the, cause we the still whole... haven't hit that spot. He still hasn't made out with her yet. And so until they do that, this story, like cannot end. Well, dude, what's book. so funny is because when Adam came in, wasn't he talking about like, he even mentioned like Christian's wife and daughters when he came in too. So <laughs> it's all the more funny now that yeah. <laughs> in away, it has his own family on television, but I think it's, it's definitely like, that's fucking hilarious to me. That's dude. awesome. Um, that's, that's awesome. And that's not encourageable though. And it should not be commended unless you're christian no absolutely not um <laughs> no, he's betrayed that, his but I, you know he wasn't even thinking about that when he said dude, that he he, he didn't give a shit about Shayna or this storyline he was trying to make it more real and he doesn't even think about it um and like awesome. the fact that christian has built his own family i think this is absolutely the time for copeland to build his own family um and dude it's just it's getting exciting and you know looking at the new year um Oh, that's actually pretty far off. But I was going to say, man, if you ran like a, a blood and guts type thing, I feel like you could really do it with this and just go fucking crazy, dude. Because if there's like I would rather a story like this, that's way just more like over the top and just insane than some serious like elite Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah, you did some war games match, right? Like give me the craziness with the bullshit, too. But um, yeah, overall, this was definitely my favorite, um, you know, uh, even with MJF and Samoa Joe, I don't think that was as bad as the other MJF things. But yeah, I would say the only problem I really the biggest problem I have with this back end is that these each really felt like the main event of a different AEW pay-per-view uh, for yeah. better or worse. But it, <laughs> it felt like the show could have ended after any of these really Um and, and I just wish that they had uh, they had done this. I wish they had done the back half of the kill switch and like all that stuff. That I wish they had done it on dynamite. Like set up him versus Edge, and then have him kill Edge. Then have to like forfeit the match and give it to Christian instead of just doing. So, it, I'm cashing in the contract. Like we we didn't need that in my opinion. So it's it's that you don't. 
Is it that you don't like the immediacy of the cash and you feel like that's kind of biting on like the WWE gimmick of like yeah, ex- one exactly. of the people I, who wins always cashes in? Okay, so it's yeah, not the yeah. cash in itself. But. No, everything they did was good. It's just the fact that it's so blatant, like, oh, this is a money in the bank gimmick. You know, we I don't think yeah. AEW needs that. And we've seen it too many times, you know, in the, in the past where the cash in comes in. And it's a trope that's kind of overdone, in my opinion, even in WWE. And so I don't th- I hope that this is a one off for that. And they just kind of pretend that it didn't happen <laughs> like that next year when they do a They do another battle royal like this. I don't want to see people cashing in contracts in AEW. Ah, in so rather a, a number one contendership, Luchasaurus, Edge, Edge's, uh, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have him attack him during the entrance and, like, do all the stuff he did here. Like, they could have done literally everything they did here on Dynamite, <laughs> except when he's about to get the match, he says, no, I'm bowing out. Christian will compete in my place. Uh, you know, something like that. And, like I said, I think it would have all been accomplished. I just think the cash-in is cheesy. That, yeah. That's my only issue. But everything else is good. I would have. You know what I, I would have loved, though? Is and maybe some people like Imagine Dynamite opens with Edge opening the show. It's an honor to be your TNT champion. Kill Switch's music hits. Kill Switch lays out Copeland. Same exact thing, right? And then yeah. right when Kill Switch is about to do it, Christian runs out. They run the same gimmick. And then the show just begins with copeland's celebration and 30 seconds later christian is champion again and that he does like a celebration like imagine copeland has like a bottle of champagne on in the fucking ring and christian's like thanks for the champagne adam now get out of my ring you son of a bitch (laughs) genius booking like steals his own celebration for him yeah i I love that idea oh my god that would be awesome but this was still, like I said, I'm sure some people liked the cash-in because it was a shock factor, I guess. <laughs> and like I said, I predicted Killswitch would win to add some kind of heat. And I figured they would do something like that if Edge won where you could kind of make him give the title shot to Christian. Uh, it just happened all at once. I think they could, they could have gotten more out of it. But it's fine. Like, still, though, a lot of people probably liked it. And, and the stuff they actually did was good. Like, all of this was good. But he still needs to make out before before the storyline ends. That's the, That's my only complaint. Um, but anyway, so that was a great match. We all love that very much. Uh, 8.36 on cage match. I'd say four and a quarter. What about you? Um, oof. I would say four, four and a quarter. Yeah, absolutely. I think that for the type of match they did, it went about as well as you could have hoped for. I, you oh, know, yeah. for one, I wasn't again, that one of the match. criticisms was, you know, why are these older WWE guys and AEW? But in terms of an older guy's story on like American main roster storytelling, this is absolutely one of the better ones we've had in a very long time. This is not Undertaker Goldberg. This is yeah. really fucking fun. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah, and I, I wasn't that into this match going into it. Obviously, Christian's performances are great. But like I said on the show, I felt like they had more to offer fighting other people. And this I, this might as well have been uh adam and and nick wayne in a lot of ways in this match um but i'm into it like i think they've done a, a great job with all of this and, and it, it was totally successful and way better than i thought so <laughs> good for them the the next match actually has a little bit higher rating on cage match the final of our beloved continental classic uh eddie kingston versus john moxley blue league winner versus gold league winner for all three titles. Now, did I hear them right when they said that the titles can be defended separately? Because if that's true, 
this triple crown thing is stupid. Like, why? What? Uh, that in? Rest in peace, Eddie Kingston. If that's true, um, I did not hear that. Honestly, I since I watched this um, after the fact, I for time's sake, because I started this, I think at 10 p.m. last night. I pretty much yeah. skipped all entrances, so like I need yeah, to yeah. see the Dante Martin thing. Um, but yeah, if that's the case, that sucks. But this whole <laughs> so, thing has been poorly explained from the start. Like it feels like they've they've not ever really established like what they actually want to do uh, with this actual triple crown. And so maybe I'm wrong. Again, I open the door for that. But I think they said that. I I may be wrong at the end of the day. And I hope I'm wrong because <coughs> this whole thing is pointless. Uh, otherwise, um, what did you think of the design of the Continental Belt? Uh, they debuted it. Um, I have not read the online response to this. It makes sense in the, like, as long as they keep these belts together. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like that they called it the Continental Crown. I like yeah. that they, you know, personalized it like that. Um, I liked the belt design. I think it looks nice when Eddie, you know, then again, this is very specific to Eddie, but so much of like you know the quote-unquote mad king right the king of the bums and this guy after winning you know there's all this storytelling here right um eddie grew up watching uh, grew up watching and loving all japan he finally meets kawada he takes kawada's finisher as his own when kawada tells him to use it like dude this is like if you fantasy booked your fucking childhood dream like it's yeah that's case scenario and it's all been great Eddie's down and out. He puts both belts on the line because more than anything, he wants to be a real triple crown champion like his, uh, you know, hero Kawada. He goes down in the in the tournament. He comes back, beats Danielson, then beats Moxley. So I think the image of him holding a belt with, uh, you know, a center plate that features a crown on it above his head is the king of the bums and the mad king of New York. That is a perfect pro wrestling image. Like that is how you add the most visual like punctuation at the end of this story. So what did what did the internet wrestling community think? They fucking hate it? They call it the no, twenty four seven belt two point oh? No, no, no. It's 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 good. I didn't sense a big strong support or bad, like positive or negative vibe. It's just a, another title. The thing with AEW is they have so many that it's hard to get too emotionally attached to them. Yeah, go yeah on. and how many how much more different can we make fucking title belts look at yeah too? so it's one of those things where hey it's a continental crown it had a crown awesome um <laughs> just happy another thing. like yeah. dude, we just had a world title belt that had a fucking burberry scarf print. Yeah. so in the grand yeah. scheme i love this <laughs> yeah well ken i'll say this about uh, ken again uh let me shout out ken for a second uh, shout out ken yeah uh, my uh, both of my great grandparents, Ken and Nanny, uh, they both came down with COVID uh, this past week. So oh. they've been struggling lately. Uh, send some prayers out to Ken and Nanny uh, right now. Ken, Ken's, uh, they've got doctor's appointments this week. Hopefully they can get through everything. Uh, Ken's been struggling a lot lately, having a hard time getting some sleep. But still, despite everything, fighting through it to watch <laughs> AEW. Uh, and WWE will be watching night one or day one as well uh, later. So good stuff there. Uh, hopefully they can get well soon, but I, I'm on the case. I'm making sure nothing crazy happens here. So everything's okay. Uh, they're just having a hard time right now. So shout out to my great grandparents, but uh, yeah. specifically for this, 
Ken is always a mark for the belts. Like whenever they debut him, when they pulled the thing off, he was like, "Oh yeah, that's gold in that title." Like that, I was like, "Yeah, they they all have gold." Yeah, you know, pretty much. Uh, but it was nice though. It was it was honestly a pretty nice title. I liked it too. The crown, like you said, for the story, the way you brilliantly summarized the story of Eddie Kingston, it it works perfectly. But I like the belt honestly. I think it looks nice. Again, I'd rather them just do something simple. To me, the best belt of all time was Big Gold, you know, like the the world heavyweight title from WCW and then Raw for a, f- a few years. Uh, like that was the best belt to me. Uh, and it was like so simple. And this has the crown on it. It makes sense for the triple crown, the Continental Classic. It's all good. My issue was not with the belt or the de- design of it. Did you notice like before the match? And they had not revealed the title at this point. They hadn't revealed the belt. What do we see heading into the match except a huge graphic with the title that flashes up on the screen that has not been revealed yet? No shit. They, they spoiled their own title. Well, you know how whatever they do title matches, like the big yeah, title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did that for this, but they hadn't revealed it yet. Like, you just You're gave away the deadline. They can do a graphic with all the devil's masked men, but they can't keep the graphic of the fucking belt under the mask. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they they hid the title, like they had the real title hidden, but they showed the graphic before the match. It's like, oh, okay, there's oh the, the there's God. the belt. Sloppy shop, man. Like this is easy. <laughs> um, but the match though, the match was great though. Uh, Kingston and Moxley, as we all knew it would be, I think, uh, going in there. This was my predicted final. And I thought it made perfect sense for Eddie to retain uh, the belts in the end. Moxley, I think, would have been interesting. But the problem is, again, this this whole – the tournament was fantastic. I've had no problem with the points or anything like that. That's all great. But they have not properly explained how this Triple Crown works. So I don't know if they're defending all three belts separately. Is he going to be in Ring of Honor? Will he not be in Ring of Honor? Will he be an AEW guy? Will he be on New Japan Strong? Like – that's the only problem with this, but I think like if he was going to be the triple crown champion and also the de facto ring of honor champion, I don't think that's the worst role for a Moxley to, to encompass, you know, a guy, you need people to draw on the, the network for ring of honor. You need people to main event your shows, be a guy perfectly fits in his gimmick with BCC. I, I bought Moxley that Moxley could win this match overall. And I thought they did a great job here. What did you think of the match? I loved it. Um, you know, I, I typically when I review matches, I always compare them to something just because it's, you know, it surfaces, right? This match reminded me of this amazing match. So it's like another ripple in the chain. And like that match reminded me of one before, ba ba ba, right? So it's another ripple or another link in a beautiful chain of just really hard hitting matches. But um, and one victory finals. Keno Nakajima, just like a really fucking hard hitting 20 minutes where Moxley plays Keno, Kingston plays Nakajima, and it's it's Keno and Moxley's hubris that is their downfall. It's that final slapping exchange and all that shit. And, it, you know, it, it's Moxley giving Kingston way too much. It's him always thinking he can take more. Um, I loved it. I think that Moxley did a really good job you know, for his friend here, man, in front of Kingston's hometown crowd. Um, like 
I I totally agree where so this match was one of the things that was spoiled for me before going in. So I will say there wasn't the sort of tension or believability, right? It was more so like that wasn't the end, more like Moxley kicking out still. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, it was very like when I went in, it was like, I'm ready to see Eddie's moment. Right. So I will say I had a different perspective going into this. Um, But I'm really happy that he won. You know, I think that the Ring of Honor World Championship was a big moment for Eddie. But it's almost like um, like Joe winning the NXT title, but not the WWE Championship. Right. I think that this was a much bigger moment and almost like, you know, if if the Ring of Honor title win was like a great moment for him, this was the perfect end to like this year. Um, Kingston is a guy, you know, that is seemingly universally loved in AEW and pro wrestling. And I'm so goddamn happy for the guy. I will say, because I'm going to be critical of this match, because it was definitely the in terms of pro wrestling, um, like straight wrestling. This was definitely the one I'm going to hold to the highest standard. Um, right, right. I think that. I would probably put this in the best five matches of the tournament, but it would be either number four or five. Probably I would say the top three for me, number one being Danielson Kingston Two, yeah. I love the fucking triple threat. Honestly, I love that triple threat. That was chaotic. Three, yeah. Yep. Three, I would say probably like Claudio Danielson. Um, and then I probably put this one after. Um, and I, I, so in terms of a match, amazing. As a first ever C2 final, I wanted a five star here. Like, I really yeah, thought that th- this needed to be the fucking banger. And, you know, this did not even go as long as the two semifinals. And which isn't to say that wrestling needs to go long. Right. But this is absolutely their evocation of the G1 and Japanese round robin style tournaments. And those, every single one of those tournaments from N1 to champion carnival to even fucking fire fest, those matches are all punctuated by long finales uh, or long finals, you know? And um, I thought that this one, this one needed, if they had like where Kingston, where this match ended, if that was a false finish that led to a third act, I think this match could have been, you know, a match yeah, of the year contender. Yeah, totally agree with, with all of that. I think they're victims of their own, the the success of how great the tournament was and how great both men were in the tournament as well. <laughs> like that they each have claims to have matches even better than the final during the tournament. But I do agree with what you said too. For the final, you want this epic match and unbelievable moment and all that cool stuff. And the moment was great with Eddie getting the belts, holding up the new title. Uh, and it, it all looked great. And, and we both liked the belt design too. And like the worst case scenario is like the 24 seven belt, right? Like when they bring that out, it's like, what is this piece of, you know, you know, or like the TV title in new Japan, when that got revealed, it was like, this sucks. <laughs> like this belt sucks. Uh, it was a good title, an amazing tournament. The final was great. I still love it, but it didn't hit for me the same way the Edge and Christian match did, and it didn't hit for me the way uh, I would put definitely Brian and Kingston is the number one, which is no surprise to me considering Brian is in it <laughs> at the end of the day. Number two, I think I would put Brian and Claudio, uh, the draw. That stood out to me as the only draw in the tournament. I think this would probably be my number three. I'd put it ahead of the triple threat. Uh 
uh, my other shout out would be Roosh and Mark Briscoe. Uh, I really thought that was a great match uh, earlier in the tournament uh, as well. Yep. Uh, but the triple threat is right, like right there in the top five for me, uh, too. So a lot of great matches. Again, it's taking nothing away from this. I mean, you compare this to the main event. I mean, this, this blew it away, you know, at the end of the day. But this was a match going into the show. I wasn't that hype about Adam Copeland and Christian, but this match, I this is like this is the match of the year level match. It could be. And I don't think it was. So by that, those high standards, it didn't quite reach them. But by objective and fair standards, this was a badass match. And I don't blame anybody if you took it over the, the Adam Copeland and Christian match. But for me, the other one stood out just a little bit more. But I'd still probably give this a four, maybe four and a quarter. What about you? Yeah, I would. Um, I go four stars on this one. Yeah, uh, I think so, too. And the moment was a great moment, uh, said. So, you know, I think everybody. (laughs) The pay-per-view ending beautiful moment. (laughs) Yes. And then the show ended and we, they redeemed themselves finally. And it was all great. No, it was not the end (laughs) because we, we had another one. So then they actually do have a little hype video for this, which I think the show was missing a little bit of (laughs) like, as I said, they kind of rushed through a lot of these matches on the undercard, and they weren't very good until the the Adam Copeland Christian matches. But they played this long video for MGF talking about like, ah, oh, you know, he's Long Island's favorite son, and and all this other stuff that they had for him. And then Adam Cole comes out uh, with the crutches, so they come in. Uh, and then Joe's here, and uh, they're doing the, the MGF and Joe deal. MGF, everybody knows that he's been hurting with with the the injury and stuff. His shoulder had like a full roll of tape, <laughs> I think, on it to protect it. They came in, and I think this is another match. It would have benefited by being shorter, uh, in my opinion, than, than what these guys put together. Um, but still, this match, again, by comparison's sake, you want the final of the tournament to be a five-star match, and it wasn't that, so it's disappointing, even though it was still a great match. You expect all of MJF's main events to be duds and the worst match of the year. So by that standard, this was very successful. But as an actual match, I didn't think this was anything special. What about you? Um. So I... You know, preface this review by saying I had the lowest expectations ever going into this. Exactly. Um, There was so I thought Joe did a really good monster performance. It was a good performance by Joe. Um, MJF did. I don't think he was as bad as he was in the past two pay-per-views. I think you could tell he had a very, very big sense of, you know, like. He showed the fuck up, right? I think the big issue was that MJF was trying to work his, you know, sort of, God, I would call it almost like, if we want to get, like, academic, I'm like, Neo-Hogan, you know, persona, right? Where it's these, his matches are structured around pretty simple, you know, moves and stuff and getting the most out of a little, um, and just these very conventional and cliche babyface pops and comebacks. Joe was wrestling a very modern style, um, like world title match where he's like vicious and just going to beat the shit out of you. Um, 
I really liked that they brought out Adam Cole first. Um, I thought that was really cool because, and is it okay if I talk about the post-match? Yeah. Okay. The only thing I'll say about that is before you get into that is <laughs> that almost made me think they were going to do a swerve because it was almost too obvious at that point, like him coming out first. It's like, a, well, of course he's going to fuck him over and then you'll be the devil. Uh, but you go on. We'll let what happened afterwards. So, um, Joe wins. I did not like the fucking finish at all. It was the finish was again. Horrible. It's kind of like it's reverse psychology almost because 99% of the time that arm is coming up on the third one and you're going to get that'll lead to a baby face fire up. But instead, he just it was a, such a flat finish because nobody nobody ever believed it would happen. It's like it happened and people were like were thought like what? Like you know, like that, that was kind of the reaction. It wasn't like a huge pop or or booze or anything like that. It was like, huh? <laughs> like that was that was the reaction of the crowd, and I think most people watching it. So from that end, it didn't work. But I, I like that they at least they because MJF is so trope heavy. Like his whole title reign is all based on stuff we've seen before, or stuff that he's seen as a kid that he really thought was cool, and he's trying to reintegrate it into his title reign. Here they at least like circumvented the swerve, like circumvented the normal thing and swerved us in a decent way, but it it didn't work. It was a bad finish because it was so flat overall. I also no, didn't like how much relied on the arm because they did this arm work, and there were times like when he reached for the ropes, he specifically used the injured arm to do it, and then he was like, you know, you can reach for the ropes to grab, or you can reach your arm to grab the ropes, and then you can use the same arm to slap your leg. Or the kids like, come on, man, <laughs> like sell a little better. And that's what we, that's another problem we had with the last match where he was not selling the leg appropriately. And here with the arm, I don't think it was perfect. It was still all right. It wasn't as bad as last month where he was running over the ropes like he was Seth Rollins. But I still think it could have been done a little bit better. And the finish was a, just a, a buzzkill, like totally flat. And I, I agree with you ultimately, even though I admire the concept of it. I'll say that. So, like, the big issue for me, great point on like the reversing of the trope. And I agree. What I really didn't like was that you know the first two times his arm drops and hits the floor and then the last time it drops but it lands on joe's arm so it doesn't fall all the way and then bryce looks at it and he doesn't know what to do at first and then he looks and because he counts he counts three but he doesn't yell it like the other ones and then he doesn't look like he knows what to call and then he calls it and to me, it was the lack of conviction and a definitive statement, right? Imagine, like, the reason Brock and Pinned Undertaker worked so well is because it was a one, two, three. It wasn't one, two, and then, like, Sonata pinning fucking Abushi and, you know, <laughs> Undertaker kicks out 3.1, right? It was a yeah. definitive statement. MJF's arm thing dropping, it felt like a pin in the story. Like, we'll come back to this. And I'm like... No, this is the end of a year-long title reign, and it felt so yeah. fucking half-assed. And, dude, I think that they have a Great serious point. problem with this. of dro- They're dropping world titles because I thought that when um, – god damn – when Kenny won it from Moxley, it was very flat because it was Don Callis getting involved, right? Um, when – god, what was the other one? Like, I don't know, just – 
it, it this needed to be a world shaking moment and the crowd didn't know how to respond at first. And I think and then the they disbelief, started chanting bullshit. Yeah. And I think the disbelief was more because of the confusion, because if you go back yeah, and watch, yeah, yeah. they made it a very strong point that MJF's arm didn't hit the ground. So yeah, if you don't give a definitive thing, it wasn't a, Oh my God moment. It, he beat him. It was a wait, what? Yeah, right? exactly. It, exactly. You know, you want disbelief and they, they earned confusion. Um, yeah. So I thought to me, that was the worst part of the match. Um, the post-match now. Now I'm going to get into a little bit of analysis, right? Okay. All of go. Max's storyline since the Adam Cole thing has felt so much like a construct. It's all skits. It's all Cole, Roddy. Everyone is hamming it up to 11, right? It's almost like everyone is acting to the extremities that MJF's character goes, right? Um, we're going to go eat an Outback. Like, Cole's like, let's go eat an Outback Steakhouse and do kangaroo kicks. Roddy's fucking doing this whole Adam thing and all this stuff, right? Um, so what happens is at the end of it, the devil comes in or the, the henchmen come in and then they set up the most classic scene in pro wrestling, right? Adam Cole about to get brained and MJF is really like, I'll sacrifice myself for you. And then yeah. it's almost like it to me, it felt like the Truman show. The lights go out and it they totally come on, did. And Great the, scene, yes. the scene is over. And it felt like I fucking loved that. Honestly, yeah, I will say wholeheartedly. I yeah. thought that was amazing because it was. And that's why I liked Cole coming out at the beginning. Right. Because I had pretty much like I, if anyone thought the devil was anyone but Cole brave of you i yeah. <laughs> fully expected it to be him so to me yeah. it's like the movie uh, the witch by robert eggers a lot of horror films operate as does it really exist right um and what the witch does is in the first minute it opens with showing you the witch so it's not about oh my god is it real it's when is she gonna come back so the yeah. whole time and what I loved too during the match, I will say they did a lot of the classic tropes of previous MJF matches where, you know, Wardlow turning on him with the diamond ring, remember? And they did that callback. I thought that was an actual good callback in an MJF match. Um, as he went for the ring to Cole and Cole was fumbling at first and you expected him not to have it, but then he pulled it out. And it wasn't that he didn't not have the ring like he forgot it. It was just that, like, I mean, the dude's injured on crutches and he's nervous as shit and trying to find the ring for his friend. I actually thought that felt natural and smart. Um, and again, like, I have been very critical of these, so I did like that. Um, and again, like, so you put MJF in the thing and it's literally like the lights turn on in the room, right? And you're, like, dressed up in a costume and no one else is and everyone is fucking laughing at you. And I think that that was for as awful as this has all been, I thought they ended it well. Um, you know, negative. I'm bummed Roddy was part of it just because I love what we fantasy yeah. booked last yeah, year. Yeah, that's um, that same thing when that happened. I, I was really happy that Wardlow was in it, honestly. And I actually thought the power bomb that Wardlow gave Max and then him yelling like, fuck you, felt so real and powerful. Especially with everything that went down between them, right? And like Wardlow's whole beating MJF moment and it being like, you know, essentially having the 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 whole like ick of the whole MJF walking out and all this shit happening around it, which totally overshadowed it, like like Punk would, you know. And um, 
So I actually really liked the end of this. I will not lie. Um, I think MJF needs to disappear. Um, you know, I like ah, funny, funny thing came up today about, about that. Right. Um, and then it looks like Cole is still injured. Um, you know, assuming that my, my big fear was that it was going to be revealed that Cole wasn't actually injured or whatever. Um, yeah. that was like my one thing. Cause I, I don't know, but whatever. Um, but dude, this is the character Adam Cole needs to be. I think that the, to me, like, Oh my God, what were we just talking about? Really fun thing, but a really bad ending. Um, I can't even remember, but like, this was a very bad story. The women's oh, match. Julia, yeah. Julia Hart yeah. and Abaddon. Really fun story. Yeah. Really bad ending. This was the worst, one of the worst stories in pro wrestling. I would say probably the worst main event story in AEW so far that I think was punctuated with a really great fucking ending. Um, this is like, cause to me, what it does, right. Is that it recontextualizes the beginning. So I think that Maybe if I go back and at least watch some of like like a compilation of this, right? Like when they do a video package of Roddy doing Adam and Adam Cole doing all these stupid fucking things with MJF, like that won't feel the way it did before now, right? It's going to feel like MGF is just being gaslit and pop, like just manipulated yeah. and it's going to feel sad and it's going to feel dark. And again, yeah. I think that that is not an easy feat to pull off, but great storytelling is able to, in the end, recontextualize things so that when you go back, you keep picking up on the new stuff. Right. Um, so I'm very happy. The rain is over. Um, I like my big question now is I have no idea what these henchmen do um, because MJF is the focus. Like I think that it can totally function as a reign of terror on AEW. Um, the big caveat is Cole would seem to be right. Like your focus. But I also think that you can maybe even do like a Wardlow is your killer and Cole is your mouth yeah. or something. Um, but yeah, like, and dude, I, I think the, the reason why I was able to view this in that way is because, again, I had dirt shit expectations. Yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, when I watched it this morning, it really just felt like I was watching that that perspective shift. And I think it was, you know, the way they use the lights out in theater, right? That is a scene transition. But in wrestling, it's always done as a reveal. And in here, I thought that they were able to make it function as both. It was a scene transition that led to a reveal. But what I'm saying is that it doesn't it's not usually considered as a scene transition. Right. But it literally felt like that blackout was the end of Max's film. And then he came back to fucking reality. And it was like, here's what you're actually facing. Here's real life. And, yeah. and Cole feels like a whole different guy. I thought Cole's face when it came. Yeah, up, that was, was good. That was good. Yeah. Dude. Everyone looked like, dude, I thought. Matt Taven and Mike Bennett looked like badasses. Like that's the thing is that all of this has been bad. If they come out now and some cool fucking like UE gear or whatever, I also really, really like that. It wasn't Kyle as much as I love Kyle. A lot of people had said, maybe it was Kyle and Bobby at first. Right. I'm really happy that this is a like yeah, something totally different from that. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to consider kingdom because God, that was how many years ago in ROH where, you know, it's the seven year rule. I think this is fresh enough. It's been seven years, but this yeah. is a faction of people like this. doesn't feel like pinnacle. These are all people that I'm interested in right now. Um, 
you know, I think Bennett and Taven are really good fucking goons. Um, in terms of like your lower guys, I like that they're your ring of honor champions. Like that's good. That ring of honor has established guys as tag champs. Now, like hope, like you have Eddie, you have Fletcher, you have Athena, like they have, they've repaved it right after a very shaky past few months. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I dude, Roddy and Cole, what's better than that? Um, it also looked like Roddy's mustache was gone and dude, yeah, I did that stuff. And like Wardlow, Wardlow looked different as well in appearance, kind of. And I, I could be wrong with that. I could have just gaslit myself uh, when I was stoned earlier. I don't know. But, well, he had the, cur- <laughs> the, cur- the curly hair, kind of. Yeah, but uh, it looked messier yeah. instead of kind of like up or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And that's what I really loved is that everything after when the lights came up genuinely felt different. And I think that it was a complete like it's like MJF like found out santa claus or god wasn't real if like in that moment if he believed in those things or whatever right it's like a moment where your entire worldview is shattered and i thought that they achieved that so goddamn well um so i will give them the flowers on that and i can't believe i'm saying it well i'm glad you liked it (laughs) now let let me throw some questions out for you to to break all this down first of all let me say one thing the truman show is an awesome movie and uh, i i was conflicted about how i felt about you comparing this to that but uh when you said it and how you've explained it i buy it so you've automatically elevated my opinion on this whole thing by that but the reveal after the lights went on came back on with like you said cole's face was perfect for what it needed to be like totally different. This was not undisputed era. Adam Cole, like this was a completely menacing, like no heart, no soul. Adam Cole, like on the on the chair. The other ones looked tough. Wardlow was kind of like smiling, like ha ha, we got you, mother. <laughs> you know that type of deal. Um, I love like strong is the winner in all of this to get rid of the neck brace, the mustache, and all of that. <laughs> like you said. Now it adds a legitimate justification to his goofiness over the last couple of months, and that fixes all the problems I had with it. So right away, this is a win for me personally, that they were able to get away from all of that goofy stuff with him. But you look at this. You look at this group, and I, I have some questions to ask, and let's see what kind of answers we can come up with here. Who is in this group, would you say? Like, who are all the members of this group Adam Cole has now? Cole... The Kingdom, Wardlow, and Roddy, right? Mm-hmm. Who won the title that Adam Cole worked so hard to screw MJF out of? Samoa Joe, who is not was not one of those names I mentioned. Why didn't he try to get the title on Wardlow or Roddy or himself? <laughs> like, why didn't this plan come together then at the end of the day? Because we didn't see the devil until... Remember, he the first person the, the devil attacked was Jay, uh, Jay White. So what was the purpose of these attacks, ultimately, if it was not to to get a title on himself or his friends? It, the end result of this is to get the title on Joe. Why couldn't it have been one of his guys? So this is the way that I see it. Okay. Um, like... 
going back to the Roddy stuff like you're talking about, right? Every single okay. person was dialed up to 11 before this. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like if everyone was in a performance, right? Wardlow is the only one who kind of slipped up, right? Because he yeah. actually approached Max. And it was like everyone kind of orbits, but it's not in an antagonistic way. It's like they kind of play to the fact that Max – Max was very much throughout this reign an inner child. He was at first a very jaded adult um, yeah. who basically wanted to kill his heroes. And then he became an inner child again, like his inner child who sort of embraced everything he grew up with. And they pretty much played to the fact that he is distracted and plays into that shit, right? Rather than all the real wrestling that's going on around him, all the C2 shit, he's, you know, distracted by the dude in the neck brace as a world champion. You know, mm -hmm. I think that this is to the detriment of Max, right? And again, this is me doing the analysis, but yeah, Adam Cole and Samoa Joe have faced one time in AEW. It's in 2022 at Double or Nothing, Owens Cart Finals. Cole beat Joe. I think that Cole's endgame still has to be the world championship for him. Dude, Roddy and Wardlow versus Big Bill and Ricky Starks is a fucking banger. I think that they could be your next tag champs as well. I would actually love to see that match. Um, I think that – and, dude, this is me totally assuming and booking my own shit. Yeah. I would have to imagine that Cole's end goal is still the title. So to me, it's um, – and this is something we see in, in wrestling a lot, right? I couldn't beat him, but I've beat him. And if right. I help yeah. him get this, then I can fucking get that, right? Because Joe won the title, but Cole has a faction that can now help him get that, right? But if it's Joe, here's my problem with this. Not to cut you off here, but I want to throw this point out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Connected to it. Joe was the one who put Roderick in the neck brace in the first place. Uh, so why would Roderick want to help him get the title? Well, Dylan, you certainly stumped me. At this point, it would just be me. Like, I mean, at this point, it's just me creating shit, right? It's a plot hole, and that's not I'm, great. I'm, and and there's a lot of holes. Who were the thirty men that ran to the ring? When remember when they had the army come out of the crowd? Who were those guys? Let's see here. I'm pulling up the list that Mel Two posted of. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no, a hundred percent, and it's shit like that, right? But and that's the problem with this story. There's so many holes we can go down the line. You know, here's like here's like a thing, right? And maybe, yeah. and again, dude, this is me. I'm mean, I'm just gonna commit to this now. I'm just gonna it's, it's, go totally play into justifying this stuff. <laughs> go for why it. what like, dude? You don't need to explain the thirty mass men, right? It's just that they <laughs> dialed yes. everything up to eleven for this. You're right. The plot holes distract Max from the truth because nothing fucking made sense. Like. <laughs> That's the problem sense, with this right? whole shit and that's the over the last few months. And again, like, <laughs> this is me saying it all in retrospect and, you know, looking <laughs> back, but nothing made sense. So how could Max ever get to the surface? Because the only constant he had was Adam Cole, right? And, um, dude, I still don't like any of this, really. Like, and while I watched no, I, it, I did not like any of it. But, like, I mean, but that, I, that's how yeah. I would justify it is that it was just, like, if you go back and watch it, maybe they all really feel like movie scenes as opposed to yeah. wrestling moments. Um, I understand what you're saying. And there's good to be had. I mean, they had to tease. Remember when they like this was like two months ago now. Remember that picture popped up of them like it was Cole and MJF sitting together and they showed the devil mask in his locker. 
yeah. And they revealed that like there's stuff that the, they clearly tried to put some things in there to be like, ah, gotcha. Remember this two months ago when he said this, uh, I saw a scene where MGF and Cole and Roddy were in the parking lot and Adam Cole said something to Roddy that could lead you to believe they're aligned. So they specifically put in moments to make this a cool like. You know, ah, you know, find the 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 breadcrumbs, right? That's something a lot of great stories do. But also at the same time, I got to give MJF this because I've been hard on him on this show. There's no question to me that MJF puts in so much effort. He tries. He wants to be like the best champion ever, have legendary stories, and he wants to be. The problem is is that you've seen it a bunch of times. Did you read what he wrote, um, MGF, that Players' Tribune article that he had, where he was talking about, uh, he talked about all kinds of stuff. He talked about, like, the Israel thing, which, like, that he had there. Uh, but then he also talked about how his, uh, like, he was talking about how he knows a lot of his storylines didn't hit. And he's done that multiple times, where he's like... <laughs> You know, he's always saying stuff like, I hear you. Like, I know that people didn't like this, but don't worry. I'm going to do better. I got, I got, I can fix all this. He said that like three or four times now. It's because I think he earnestly and genuinely, like, I don't think that's like him putting out an act. I think he really does like want to be one of the best to ever do it and one of the greatest characters and carry the company and, you know, do all this great stuff. But then he sees online. Let's face it, much of this storyline has not been popular, not just with us, but a lot of their core audience has not liked what they've seen from the devil and the storylines. They've done it. And I think a lot of that has come down to, you know, they would do something one week and there would be a negative reaction to it. And we've heard before, even Tony Khan himself say how much he looks at Twitter and and even Cage. Oh, match. we uh, we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we we know. And I think the problem is instead of like when this all started, if they had had a direct line from beginning to end of this storyline, from the devil at the beginning to the end, I think it would have come across a lot better. Instead, every week it felt like they had to pivot. Because they got negative criticism, so they tried to throw all this different stuff against the wall, like the army and the attacking the wrong people and and all of this. Like, Because <laughs> I, I think there was good parts about it, good ideas about it. I liked how they tried to bring in, like, um, MJF, like MJF himself being a suspect. I like that they didn't just ignore that possibility because it was obvious that he should be suspected that he would be behind all of this. And they got out of that a pre- in a pretty organic way. The Joe thing, there's a lot of plot holes with all of that. But I do think the reveal itself, if you just ignore everything that happened before this and just talk about the exact moment we had, I thought they did a great job of making it obvious where he said they were about to kill Cole and MJF was like desperately fighting where he was like, you don't hit him. You hit me. And he had a lot of great intensity about it. And we've seen in the past where he'd always be like, Adam Cole is my best friend in the whole world. And then you'd have Adam Cole be like, he's one of my friends. <laughs> like, you know, it would just be that little difference that you could have where he's like, he's the the thing that matters most to me. 
and Adam Cole would be like, well, he's a, he's one of my friends for sure. <laughs> like he's one of many and five of which will we we'll all turn on him eventually. But I wish that they and I don't know, maybe there'll be a great promo on Dynamite that will Adam Cole will be able to explain all of this away and he will come in and and finally realize that he had people fooled. Maybe he'll say he hired people to do it. Uh, like the 30 men. Maybe he'll say the timeline was different or that this was the plan all along or something like that. I don't know. Maybe it'll be a great promo that can explain everything, but we're into a different chapter of this story now. And I think overall that's good. The title reign definitely needed to end. And I'm happy that this is all away from the title where, and I'll ask you this. So we're going to ignore all the bad stuff in the past that I hated about it and all the plot holes and all of that. So we're moving on from the Truman show to the next phase. Where does this go? Like, where do, where does this lead from here? Do you think? And that's like, I'm very happy. They ended this here with, in terms of the devil reveal. Um, and I wonder if it wouldn't have been sooner. I mean, who knows? I, I'm not going to make any assumptions, actually. Where do we go from here? I'm fucking tangenting again, Dylan. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, dude, I have no clue. Like, to me, if Cole wasn't still injured, I would just say Cole Joe. Right? But it's... Yeah. It's... I don't know. With Cole still being injured, I could see... Um, And I I would love a heel Cole versus heel Joe. That sounds fun as hell. Just two guys with nothing to lose. Yeah. Um, I do not know. Like, like I said, I could see Cole becoming an on-screen character. Um, I, I just like, it seems like he wanted to take out Max. So I think what we need to learn immediately and on Wednesday, um, is we know what they did and now we need to know what they want. Um, we need a goal or an, I mean, an objective, right? Yeah. Whether yeah, yeah. it's, and that can be as simple as we're here to fucking, ch- if they just say we're here to change the landscape of AEW, that works for week one, because we know that they're not, they don't have a singular focus. It's not just, yeah. I'm here to get the world title, right? We know that they're going to have a widespread effect on AEW as a whole. Um, I don't know. Like, again, I think I would be really happy with like a Roddy, and uh ward though but what's hard is it feels like they need to have like but you know aew i will say is good at having factions like for instance blackpool combat club is a faction right but they aren't always in the main event scene um right for whatever reason this devil thing because it has been part of the main event feels like it needs to continue being part of the main event for me at least does that feel so and, and the same is true for it and because they're so interconnected to mgf they've invested exactly. so much into it that it, it's you can't it's too late now to pull back on it it feels like it has to keep going until so, the definitive end of all this so like my other thing then would be Okay, so they they took out MJF, and then now that MJF is out of the world title picture, that would be perfect. Is just they fight MJF outside of the main title scene, right? Because yeah, yeah. then that becomes its own main main event program, but without the title. Because that's exactly what needs to happen at this point. Is that the, I think these MJF stories would have functioned so much fucking better without the world title. Um, yeah, totally agree with that. Uh, and, as well, yeah. 
because it was almost like this story was the, the, the constant and then he would have to do world title defenses in the middle of it. Right. Um, so I'm re- in terms of what's next for Joe, I am going to say that he will probably have like a couple of pretty good television defenses. Um, yep. And then my gut says swerve revolution swerve. If, that's what that's exactly what I think is going to happen as well. I, I think that they're going to do a pay-per-view before revolution. I, I actually, I don't know um, that that seems tight, but um, because that's a three month window and I don't think we've had that long of a window in AEW now since God, like there's last nothing revolution to double there's, or nothing. There's nothing on the schedule planned between now and revolution. So I think Joe needs, you know, one good title defense and then enter the swerve program. Who Joe yeah, defends I against? Um, I don't know. Who who could you see as a first? Do you think that Joe will do a mini feud or he will do sort of a open challenge to just, you know, cool opponents? Yeah, what I think that see? would be the I think that would be the best way because you've got AEW. You've got so many guys that their strength is their ring work. Give them a spotlight uh, and give them some time and do something with that. Uh, I think. The thing is, I just don't know how they if they get to swerve, who do they want to be like the the baby face, so to speak of it, because they both had their baby faces moments. But to me, the crowd definitely likes took to swerve more than Joe, if you were to yes. compare them. No, and I think that you can make swerve your Naito, man. Like something I appreciate. Yeah, like a, a renegade type of guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something I appreciate about AEWs, they're they're. They're way more lackadaisical in terms of super defined heel face, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, and that's good. Yeah. If Nakamura was his character in here, it you know, it wouldn't be so much like a clear Seth Rollins Nakamura dichotomy, right? It'd be like yeah. Nakamura would probably way fucking cooler than Rollins, but you know, that's just he still the way cooler than Rollins. <laughs> oh no, no, totally. I guess in the the fans' reactions, I don't know, but like that's that's just a different in approach to the way that they book their yeah. stuff. But I. For me, at least, I don't see the need for there being like a defined baby face. I like I'm someone who loves like because and this is a very big death match thing, right? Like <laughs> Masashi Takeda versus Toru Sugiura, right? Oh, yeah, they're, they're not really baby face or heel. They're just kind of fucking psychopaths. And I think yeah. that's <laughs> what works so well for a swerve and Joe feud is that. You know, it's I'm not a good guy. I'm not a bad guy. I'm just a fucking psychopath. Right. And, that... and you can be the thing is, you can be like a wild child. But I think it's better if you swerve should be fighting heels, like do the crazy stuff against the heels that you want to do and just lean into it. Like, there's no reason to fight the fans, in my opinion. You don't need to have him kill people or break into people's houses or anything like that. He's just cool. Like, let him be him. And ride it to the title because he has everything it takes to be the face of the company, at least for the next year. And Joe's a fine player. He's not. If you look at this roster, I don't think he would have been one of my top picks to be the champion. But that's just where we ended up with everything up and down. Uh, So, yeah. No. And again, like, you know, if. Do did I want someone different to win the title from MJF? Yes. Do I know who that person is? No. But yeah, because they know, haven't built anybody up. And enough. it seems I, I think that they do have people, right, who could 
be a world champion right now. Like, I still think if you gave Ricky Starks a world title, he would fucking run with it, right? Him and Big yeah. Bill, like a Sean and Diesel, would be so fucking sick. Um, I think there are people who could definitely run with the title. I think that they booked themselves into a corner with this devil stuff. And yeah. that I think the injuries might have had an influence on this decision as well. I um, totally agree with that as you know, well. Because, yeah. you know, going into this, everyone that I heard in, in terms of, you know, from, uh, you know, let's say big outlets, Wrestling Observer, Post, yeah. all those people were saying, you know, it's they fully expected MJF to retain um, and thought that that was absolutely going to be the plan. Um and if this hadn't have gotten spoiled for me, I don't know how I would have reacted either. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's I think that. And again, what this about, is me looking at it real quick, just from the lens of like yeah. what I expect to happen is that if yeah. you needed a guy to take the belt off of Max, who was a guy that with only one defense would be a legitimate champion still right to maybe be as, as a transitional champion to then yeah. drop the belt like WWE. Yeah. Did Drew McIntyre to The Miz to Bobby Lashley. If AEW does MJF to Joe to Swerve, I think that's a really fucking great way of getting there. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I have no problem with it. It, You know, the circumstances aside, Joe could cut great promos every week. He doesn't have to wrestle every week. Here's my idea. Joe running through BCC. Like, that keeps him busy for the next month or two. Uh, have him defend against everybody. Uh, oh. b- build up to the, you know, have him beat Yuta, like TV main event type of deal uh, for the title. You could have him do Claudio on maybe a collision. So you de- defend it twice in a month. And then the second month, you get to the heavy hitters, uh, Mox and Brian. And Brian versus Joe as a TV main event. That, that can, that's buys. <laughs> that, that's a great main event if you need one. And I think that should be the ultimate build at the end of the day. Uh, go through the BCC and, you know, at the end, uh, face Brian. And, and Brian, it doesn't matter if he loses. Brian's so versatile, too. He's another one. <laughs> like, we saw in the tournament, one week he was the heroic underdog fighting with the injured eye that was busted open and bleeding. And then the next, he was the prick calling. And <laughs> he's a psychopath, dude. That's what I'm yeah. going to call it from now on. Babyface, heel, and psycho. <laughs> Uh, just or sicko. He's a sicko, man. <laughs> but but we love him for it. Really fucked this up for me because if that doesn't happen, I really won't accept anything else at this point. Um, like that's well, so that, that's cool. the best option. That's the <laughs> like best option. My God, like because now I'm just picturing Joe outright, bum bum bum, dun dun dun, and he's just in the ring, Joe Joe, and he gets on the yeah. mic. He's like, I am your new, and then you just hear Yuta's music hit. That would be awesome. Yeah. And then hear Claudio's music hit. He walks out of the crowd, right? And they all start hitting all four posts, wild thing. Yeah. And then Danielson, and they're all just standing there smiling. And like, dude, that's all you have to fucking do. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I love all my, that. Be still my heart. <laughs> Please, Tony. But you said you listened to Cage Match. Listen to us now uh, and give us what we need BCC going for the title. And it just is a great. Like, way to fill TV time, keep Joe in the mix, and then you can build a swerve. I don't know. I don't think they should run a tournament again or something, at least for the men's title. Like, we obviously are in favor of the women's tournament. But for right now, just find a way to get to him. As for the devil and MJF, here's what I'm going to say about that. I think eventually we – 
even if they somehow get around to explaining all of these plot holes like this in this Swiss cheese filled story that they've concocted. I think we definitely need some follow up. MJF should recruit the guys that got attacked, like bring in the, the acclaimed bring in Jay. And then finally, like Adam page is the last man on the team. And like, you know, the, the big surprise and you could build to a five on five, anarchy match or or maybe even something new like more promising to be even more extreme than blood and guts like the eighth circle of hell or, or some bullshit like that <laughs> pretty much bring into this five on five big match with the guys you've attacked that you know coincidentally come in to make five uh like here and Ooh. so you could you could build to them five on five with an insane gimmick match you know that finally ends the whole thing and that's something that we would get to down the line like early on, MJF fights. Maybe he fights and loses. Like he, him, him and Roddy on a show, and Roddy wins. Like maybe to interference or somebody knocks him out or something like that. Yeah. And he realizes, crap. Well, you know, I can't, I can't beat these guys. So he, you know, the acclaimed come in. He brings back the acceptance of them, and maybe they still get like they still lose to the numbers game. So finally, something happens, and maybe they take out Bullet Club Gold. And Jay comes in to fight for him to team with him, and they still lose. And then finally, Hangman comes back. Mega pop, uh, like hit him. Kind of like remember what we said when we were talking about dude, Roddy okay, and so MJF. Yeah, all of the stuff of like then you're making me think all of those back backstage. I was about to say backwards, backstage <laughs> in um, the woods. You know, altercations, right, with MJF, yeah. JY, MJF and Adam Page. And then these are the guys who are taken down in the Devil's Wake, Max Caster, right? It's like when MJF comes back because he really doesn't have anyone right now, right? Exactly. Um, he was wiped out from, you know, the, the performative friend in Joe to the alleged friend in Cole um, to like the weirdo stalker in Roddy. It's like every <laughs> facet of his life yeah. is literally wiped away. Um, yeah. So it would be really interesting if like Max, because what I'm excited for for MJF after this, right, is that I would hope that this turns into a real program and the sense of yeah. all of this included artifice, right? Like yeah. a lot, because now it almost feels like they just allowed Max to live out this fantasy, right? Oh yeah, yeah, well, it does. I'll, I'll defend the fucking title, right? Because now it makes sense why Cole would say I'll defend the title against Joe. He just gets pinned. Joe wins. That's it for him, right? It, yeah, yeah, that his plan and, is successful and automatically. He's yeah. like, okay, let's let him drive back in the ambulance. Like, it's like letting your little brother do his thing, right? Comparison uh, to the Truman Show was so right. Like, like now that you analyze it, that's exactly what this kind of was like. I might wrote, write a little thing for Post called like the Friedman Show now or some shit. Honestly, you got me going on this. Um, <laughs> but uh, like, it's just I. I think that we can see Max go back to his real like I want to see Max is no fucking gimmicks straight yeah. shooter coming back. Right. Yeah. Like if he wants to be Piper, be fucking Piper now. And I would like yeah. to see him almost have. To yeah. Do his, his, it's like Max having to do his own 12 steps now. Right. He's always made people jump through hoops and rings and all sorts of stuff. Well, now he's got to walk his own 12 steps. Atone to Hangman, atone to Jay. Right. He put over Jay as one of the best wrestlers. Hey, man, you know, I need help. Whatever the fuck. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I like, would be we, we had a hell of a match. Yeah. Yeah. Just that kind of thing. You know, going from. You know, you be like he sort of posited himself as like this devil, whatever, right? And he learned yeah. that there actually is a real devil out there. Like it's, yeah, it's um, you know, uh, 
living by the sword, dying by the sword or whatever. Um, so that's definitely what I would hope for. Yeah. My, okay. Now I was thinking though too, with Blackpool, I could also see them just speaking about their direction. Should they not do the absolutely should needs to happen? TK give Dylan the fucking <laughs> book. Um, you know, <laughs> um, Roosh and Moxley, Garcia and Danielson. Dan- Danielson did interrupt Garcia's uh, intro. You yeah. know, at the pay-per-view. There was still yeah. the cheese of Roosh and Moxley. Um, I could potentially yeah, see them point. doing some stuff like LFI and BCC. Um, you know, because you could totally see LFI versus Moxley, Claudio and Yuta. Um, and then at the same time, you're running Danielson Garcia. And I would honestly love for Garcia to join Blackpool now. I don't think it's yeah. a thing where he'll get lost in the shuffle. I think that they could use a new member. Like, I don't have a problem with increasing faction members. It makes sense to me. Like, you know, as long as you're not like 14 fucking people. Um, <laughs> like the devil's uh, goons. <laughs> that one yeah. <laughs> hey, man, if you're going to look, Dylan, I'm not trying to, you know, criticize you here. But if you're going to complain about Adam Cole giving indie talent a payday on national television, dude, <laughs> go ahead. So no, I'm uh, that's, that's uh, workers <laughs> rights. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you're like, look, man, we don't need these jabronis in the ring here. Give them hot dogs. Tell them to fucking, you know, just. Um, no. One man. thing I want to say, one one last thing on the the thing with Ed, the devil and all that. The ending result of this, kind of like what we said about MJF and Roddy, that was our plan originally, which would have been awesome if they had done that. I, I think that would have been a great direction. But instead of Roddy now, I think the ending needs to be him and like MJF and Hangman like coming together because they were so heated, even as both baby faces or whatever, accusing each other and all the stuff they've went through. There's a great story of hangman's own redemption as well that you could get around to as well. And kind of the opposite of what you said earlier, like that moment uh, on the show at the end of world's end was MGF like realizing that God isn't real, like almost and, but him finding everyone coming back to him is like when somebody who's lost finds out God is real and it changes their whole life, like type of deal. So it's like you have to have the the moment where you fall to rise up again to that great like that great redemption, which I think they have the chance to tell if they like if they do it right and do it better than how they did the build up to this because like I said, there's a lot of plot holes you have to get through. But I don't. I don't know if that'll actually matter in the end with the crowd. Like, you know, they, they've been pretty, they've taken to MJF as a baby face pretty well. Uh, despite my objections, the end, the flat ending to the match and all that kind of turned up, made everyone turn on everything. But, uh, I think that there's potential for that redemption story and <laughs> where he finds himself again. No, absolutely. On. And on that flat ending again, I think if Bryce, you know, had done it to where like, one, two, and then imagine him holding MJF's arm, and it's like an extended period of time, right? Like almost a, oh, and then it drops, and it just smacks the fucking floor. And that's like the definitive end. Again, I don't like that they made it wishy-washy. Um, but Dylan, I will say, dude, another positive is like yeah. this is the most excited and stoked we've ever been talking about this storyline. Oh, like, absolutely. I don't like, think th- we yeah. have, you know, everything before this episode has always been, how do we get this to the sucks. end? When is the end yeah. coming? Can this end? And now, like, you know, it seems like we're out of that bottleneck. And now looking yeah. towards the future, we're excited about what's to come. Uh, hopefully Wednesday does something, you know. And, dude, I will say, too, I'm going to do my best um, 
to watch day one a night, New Year oh, Evil tomorrow. Awesome. So yeah. hopefully we can get together post dynamite, yes. chop it up as well, um, and just try to you know just cover this whole new year um, and so it's just fun to you know brainstorm about the new year and then hit some awards this fucking weekend, dude. Uh, I'm so happy that you said all of that. That's so freaking <laughs> awesome. Um, I'm not watching SmackDown though, dude. I swear to God, it's, no, it's okay. You, 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 <laughs> uh, but no, we we'll see what happens. But I I would love if you did that, and I can't wait to talk about it all uh, with you. And we'll see how it goes overall. But uh, yeah. Uh, so that's great. I cannot wait to talk about all of that uh, coming in. And I and I agree with everything you said, too. So uh, before we get on out of here, I will talk about the, the scrum afterwards uh, c- coming in here. Just a, a few notes, nothing too crazy to talk about or anything like that. Uh, they had the Tony Storm part coming in where basically uh, they teased Mercedes coming in here Uh you know, they talked about like Tony said something like, oh, I know there's a, a huge name that could be coming in that has money written all over her. Uh, so they more or less kind of told you that uh, Mercedes may be coming in <laughs> pretty much soon, which it's really gone back and forth. A lot of people thought she was going to go to WWE. Then they said that 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 all fell apart somehow. And then now she's going to AEW, but then that fell apart somehow. And now she's back to going to, to AEW. Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, like uh, overall, I'll believe it when I see it one way or the other. But uh, we'll see. But they did they did mention that early on with Tony there, and it's nice that they gave her a big spot. And that's where you saw her pit put on the. Uh, <laughs> she was like fully in character too, by the way. Uh, and then she tra- uh, challenged Wendy Richter to a match as well. <laughs> there. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so see, that shit's so funny man like it is oh i God. like her i know like i said i know i haven't liked all of her matches but i like her and yeah. i like this character i just think that there's if they get to the ring parts being better then i'm gonna love it and, but it's fun it's just fun it's just fun. i will say too like a testament to this tony storm character it yeah. is at no other point in her career at least as as I've seen and I'm talking as far back as like what 2014 15 startup yeah, and shit yeah. in progress um yeah. she's never done this type of sort of gimmick character right she was yeah. very much like sort of a rebel rocker in stardom it was tony time in nxt on the main roster she didn't really have much it was just sort of like she's a really good seasoned competitor and so you know it's kind of like a robin williams or a jim carrey or adam sandler doing a dramatic role for the first time but the opposite and yeah. I think it's a testament to Tony's ability as a character worker as well. So definitely, like you said, I'm just hoping for to nail down that marriage of character yeah. and wrestler. And to be fair, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is like my favorite movie. So I, I will say that it worked out in that one case uh, coming in. Um, yeah, but Tony, that they mentioned, too, that uh, Tony Khan was like, Mariah May's got everything it takes to be a champion here. And so they kind of already planted the seeds that that they're they're going to end up blowing up at some point. Joe was there and they kept going on and on, uh, you know, about like, ah, Joe, you're the champ now. <laughs> like that was basically all, a bunch of different questions ended up that way. That was like, ah, you're the champion. <laughs> no. And Joe was like, yeah, it's pretty cool <laughs> on, on there. Um, and. He mentioned that he's like, man, this title belt sucks. <laughs> I, I can't wait to get a new one. <laughs> and, and there's been some pictures online where they showed pictures of the new one. 
And it's basically the same just with a black strap. I mean, there's like a little difference in the side plates. Cool. Uh, and the, the logo in the middle is a little bit more detailed. But it's basically the same just with a black strap. So Burberry strap is done, it looks like. Your thoughts on that? Um, Will you miss the triple B? Absolutely not. Spinner belt of AEW. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was one of those things where, like, it, it was such a heel move, right? It's like Danielson doing the hemp belt. Awesome belt. So much fucking worse looking, but probably the coolest belt ever. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's like, but when Max turned baby face, it didn't necessarily, like, the belt, I don't think the belt ever really recontextualized itself for me. Um, yeah. Like the triple B really never meant anything else than like he kind of always used that phrase like to be a dickhead um, and kind of like, you know, to yeah. sort of say F you to like real pro wrestling. Right. It's like and I'm this is put my reign of terror. Exactly. And dude, again, like um, I think we'll was. talk about it after the scrum with uh, the tweet. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> uh, he mentioned that. Somebody was like, hey, what about two years ago when you were about to retire? And he was like, I made that decision myself to heal because I had a concussion and I didn't want to rush back to get hurt more. Uh, so he was like, I'm glad I did it. And I think everybody should be encouraged to do what I did. Like do the same to take more time off when they're hurting. Which yeah, I think is absolutely. A good um, you know, wrestling suffers from the whole, we talked about this before, but I, you know, Keith Lee, unfortunately he had to sit out for an injury, but that's important. Yeah. And the whole yep. tough guy and wrestling thing, I don't, it's any sort of extreme act like that, right? Like I always think of free solo, the, the rock climbing film and stuff like that. Those oh, are yeah. incredible feats, but what it does is it sells an unhealthy precedent that others will try to chase and not everyone will survive that unhealthy precedent you have set as a result, which isn't to discourage, like, I don't know, like, you know, do your best, but it's also about recognizing um, healthy limits and the yep. ability to, take care of yourself um and you know i think that's also on fans as well is for us to yeah that's not true negatively respond like you know again i criticize the dustin and swerve thing because dustin was not the right opponent i think that yeah. you could have pulled keith from that um and done something that was still worthwhile so you know we need to be careful when we criticize these choices because yep, true. i guarantee that's a big reason why some wrestlers it's like i don't want to miss my spot i don't want to fucking let yep. people down etc so it's always been that way but it needs to change <laughs> and hopefully we're getting closer <laughs> to that uh, overall um then came the part where uh you know after that point that's when she, uh, he she put the <laughs> the wig and the glasses on that's when they brought up uh basically they didn't really say like the question wasn't really like hey what about the jericho thing it was like, what do you think about there's concerns about sexual harassment in wrestling? And uh, are you doing anything about it? it was kind of like what the question said. I'm paraphrasing, but that's more or less it. <laughs> and then Khan gave the answer, which I'm sure everybody's seen by now uh, and coming in there. And he was like, you know, uh, it applies to both uh, men and women. Uh, AEW is the best company in pro wrestling when it comes to our uh, it's the safest place in pro wrestling. I think he said <laughs> on there. 
Such a blanket um, bullshit statement again. Like, yeah, yeah, this came across really bad, in my opinion. Wait, so like, why did he put on the glasses and the wig? Tony put it on him. Tony Storm. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, he didn't I do just, it on his I, own. Tony, Tony put it on him. I, I or Tony Storm. Accept. My apologies. I just wanted to make sure this motherfucker didn't come out in this from the get go. Um, <laughs> like I said, <laughs> this. <laughs> This stuff with Jericho should have been addressed right away. Like, because you put Julia in such a, a hard spot here. Uh, so awkward for her and, and unfortunate that he took this. Like you said, just a very much a, a you know, cupcake answer. Like, no meat to it at all. Uh, and he basically said, if anything came to light, I'll bring it to the AEW disciplinary committee. He said uh, what that is. I don't know <laughs> at the end of the day, uh, but yeah, uh, anyway, uh, he said he's really serious about it, but it's hard to say how serious you are wearing a, a wig and a glasses. In my opinion, I think you should have been a little more serious in my opinion. Um, moving on from that, they asked Julia, uh, people were like saying, wow, and see, like, all these guys, like, whoever's doing these interviews, they're marks for the belt, man. Like, they, they always ask, like, oh, what's it like to be the champion? <laughs> like, like, we get it. <laughs> there. And they were like, hey, what do you think, uh, Julia, what do you think about what people think about you? And she was like, I don't know. Uh, uh, she's like, I only care about Tony Khan's opinion more than anything else. Uh, you know, she was like, I remember it wasn't that long ago. I was just a fan, and I thought I knew everything, too. So if Tony... She, he's the boss, and if he says that I'm doing a good job, that's all I care about. Uh, Swerve came up next, and they, they were like, hey, like Keith Lee's injured. What do you think about that? And he was like, well, it sucks, but I'm tired of waiting. I want the gold. It was kind of one of those in-character type of deals <laughs> there. And Tony Khan said uh, it was up to the doctor, and the doctor did what he thought was best and uh, respected it pretty much. Uh, somebody asked about like, hey, is Dustin going to continue uh, wrestle uh, this year? And Tony was like, yeah, he's great. And I'm very lucky to have him. Fluff answer. Uh, they talked about Wembley and Swerve was like, what if I because f-? they asked him, they're like, when you go to all in next year, who do you think would be your dream opponent? And Swerve said Brian Danielson, which is the correct answer for any wrestler, <laughs> actually, yep. I, I would say. Garcia was up. Um, he basically said. Uh, they, somebody was like, Hey, what about your contract coming up? You know, your contract's about the end of the, at the end of 2024. <laughs> and he was like, I just know that I'm an asset and I want to be someone that the company can build or be built around. Uh, and then t- somebody brought up the, the Tony Khan brought up the, uh, fight forever, <laughs> the game. And he was like, uh, the person was like, Hey, like this guy here, he's not in the game, Danny Garcia. And, Tony Khan was like, and they brought some other people that weren't in the game. I don't think Swerve is in the game. Uh, but they mentioned that like he was like, we'll keep adding more people via the DLC. And AEW, like the game is still going to go strong. There's going to be more stuff added to it for the you know, for a long time, pretty much. What do you think? Talk about Fight Forever? Yeah. Uh, dude, I'm so fucking embarrassed that I gave that a positive review on post. Like, God you, damn you it. Tried. I, really, you I tried. tried so hard to like that game. I was, t- <laughs> we were talking about it on the way back too. And I was like, it's honestly, I think that it launch, it was fun. Like it as a base game, it's the devs behind Def Jam fight for New York, no mercy, yeah. etc. 
the I liked the animations. I liked the engine they built. But holy fuck, dude! I was like, they have more bones. food options in the career mode than they do have match types. <laughs> like fuck, <laughs> it's it's a huge disappointment. There is absolutely no reason to reinvest in it unless they do. Like, here's the thing: it can't get any worse. They still have a live service product. As far as yep. we know, they still have a season pass planned. What this means is that they've already planned out their season and they can actually do something meaningful for season three. There are a lot of games like uh, are you familiar with No Man's Sky? Yeah. Horrible launch. Absolutely horrible. Yeah. Now, one of the most popular and um, games and great like longevity. C- right. Cyberpunk was another Cyberpunk. Similar. They have an opportunity to really win fans over. Will they do that? We will. It remains to be seen. But, dude, it's like one of those things where – and this is me speaking from working in game development, but do, uh, it's it's not hard to do what fans are asking for. you know. And I think that's what pisses me off so much is that it feels and like – And they don't even show – they don't even make you feel like they're listening to you. No, there's – it's all marketing. It's not engagement. Yeah. Um Great way that's, to state that. That's an issue with – I would say just it, – it feels very systemic of – or on brand with Tony Khan in general in interviews yeah. like this. It's all marketing. It's very rarely engagement. Hey, Tony, so what's up with uh, sexual misconduct in the locker room? Oh, you know, well, we uh, we do everything we can. We think this is an incredibly safe place, you know. Uh, Rampage Fridays, 7 p.m. Central. <laughs> People feel yeah, we had our best ratings last, last week. Like, that's some Vince McMahon shit, and that needs to be, yeah. like, acknowledged, you know. Um, like, him sending off his, his uh, got kicked out of the company email with, watch Friday Night Smackdown tonight, you know. It, yeah. it makes things feel very insincere. It just feels yeah. like you're just selling me something. You do not see me as, like someone who it's a customer versus a supporter i don't know um but yeah i agree and they (laughs) (laughs) well we'll see what the future holds for that but i I, i'm rooting for it but i do not have it downloaded anymore no i agree with everything you said about it so then they finally got to him alone and he started off he was going on about how great everything was pretty much he was like we had our best shows ever like this past week uh the wrestling was amazing uh world's in was a sellout crowd the best we've ever had uh and he was like dynamite had a, a great rating it was the best since uh september <laughs> he said uh he said collision was above the nba which is that true i mean i don't know <laughs> there i haven't looked it up but that sounds interesting to say the least uh and he was basically like the pay-per-views continue to go great they're getting a ton of buys same as full gear all that hype stuff that you're used to uh somebody asked him about all the people leaving lately and he was like yeah qt and all these other guys like we love them like you know they just had to to finish up uh pretty much and ed yeah sorry but no, just no, one I thing about uh, I'll bring up uh, the last thing I'll say on that is he was like, oh, yeah, Dana Massey, because that's been a talking point. Uh, she's out of the, the merchandise <laughs> department and all of that. And he was like, you know, yeah, if she hadn't convinced Matt to to call me, AEW might never exist. So she was really integral to the, the product. And that's cool. Like, um, dude, I cracked up because at first you're like, Dana Massey, yeah, she's out. And I thought that was it. Um, (laughs) She's out, bye. Here's the thing. I think that we hear a lot more and that these things are more prominent because in WWE, it's like 40 people get fired at once. And so it's all at once, right? 
AEW is people's contracts end and then they don't renew. That's a really fucking normal thing to happen because people want to do different things in life. I don't think it's indicative what when QT Marshall leaves the company of yeah. things changing or shaking up. Like you said, the people who are leaving are people who were not in AEW typically beforehand. Um, these are WWE transplants still, right? These are guys who could absolutely go back. They were cool with Hunter and NXT. Um, you know, that was, there was a big exodus. And then like, there are more people who have re-signed than, um, you know, than that haven't. Right. And yeah. I, um, I don't know, like I would rather just hear about people. Hey, I'm not going to re-sign my contract unless they're like, Hey, I was treated like absolute shit. Right. Like, dude, yeah. Kip Sabian just re-signed. They must be doing something right back there. Fuck. Um, that guy's not pushed at all. And he's like, yeah. I'm excited to keep working here. Right. Um, yeah. and again, like it's, it's a normal thing to hear. Um, like it seems like even more backstage people. And that's just, sometimes you start having a different business direction. You know, it seems like they're pulling away from those house rule shows or whatever that they were doing, yeah. like live event stuff. Um, so we'll see what happens. But again, like I think people see like one thing and they just assume fire a lot of the yeah. time. And Again, this is good stuff we're hearing. It's that someone was able yeah. to shut their contract and they feel confident enough because there are other opportunities out there for pro wrestlers. These are all good things and people treat it like it's the fucking ship is sinking and what's going to happen to like, I don't know. No, no, I totally agree. I was actually brought up on Day too. He was like. Uh, well, I wanted I wanted to put him as a, a lead guy, but they just couldn't agree. And he was like, well, if he ends his run in that in that match against Miro and that loss to Miro, he left on a high note. <laughs> no. Was he stoned? That's the only way I could imagine him living on a high note after that. So. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right about that. I, I don't want to spread any rumors. I don't think that's true. But uh, you're going to get a DM in your fucking Twitter. It's going to say, OK, how you know. It's just going to be on dry. <laughs> Disagree. Go to him. <laughs> Go to on yellow on, on Twitter. Not, not Dylan uh, at the end, but I definitely disagree. I will smoke with you. So hit me up, brother. Sorry. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree with all of this and especially what he said most <laughs> overall. Wait, okay. Uh, this is a real yeah. story. I'm sorry, but Marafuji once posted something on Twitter and yeah. it was like him with like a turtle or something. And he's making a funny face. And I quote tweeted it and I said, I want to smoke weed with Mara Fuji so bad. And dude, he favorited it. He liked it. So I'm, <laughs> dude, I'm just saying dream. Do not Andrade Mara Fuji. No. Otis. Mara Fuji will never agree to this. He probably just liked it because you spelled his name right, which impact couldn't do. When he came, when he came in, <laughs> unfortunately, and that it did annoy him for real. Hey, he follows the Eastern Larry account too, so shout out to Mar Fuji on <laughs> here. Um, so then that's when we got back to Jericho. The first, I want to give credit, uh, Kevin from PWI asked the first time uh, about the sexual assault allegations or whatever. I uh, this guy was from USA Today that asked this part. He specifically was like, "Hey, what about Jericho?" <laughs> like uh, going in there, and he was like, "Has he ever been in, under investigation?" Uh, for sexual misconduct in his career. And Khan said, I'm not going to speak about unsourced internet rumors. And then he just said the same thing pretty much that he said earlier. Uh, so 
yeah, at least he didn't have the wig on this time. But he, he, it wasn't a good night for him. Like it couldn't have come across any worse, to be honest. Uh, and we'll see. I mean, it wasn't a complete non-answer, but it might as well have been. It's not like he said no comment. He actually did give an answer. It just was a bad one. <laughs> that is the problem. No, uh, and dude, it's one of those things where like how Nick Khan started doing a lot of interviews when Vince was on. I, I think it's been proven over the past four years. Tony is just not the right guy to do these interviews. I think there totally are other people agree. in the company yeah. that could absolutely do this. Like, you know, you can have like a hunter, you can have Jimmy Jacobs and fucking May the what um whoever the lawyer, Megan, what's her name? Uh yeah, Mega. Uh she's too busy or with Mega. the Jaguars right now. They have their own yeah. issues. I'm like, right dude, just let just don't let Tony talk. Um you know, this I definitely agree in that this was the worst AEW pay-per-view. Um, yeah. I will say, while it was the worst, the past couple have actually left me with sour tastes in my mouth. This yeah, one too. did not do that. Even it being a worst pay-per-view, I didn't feel burnt or like anything at the end. I was like, OK. And what I think this pay-per-view actually has the benefit of is that it was in 2023 and their next show is 2024. So they quite literally have a blank slate and it, it feels like a refresher to work with in general. Right. Um, That's true. That's so true. Hopefully they're able to start off the year with a bang. Now they mentioned, he said that somebody asked about having more pay-per-views. He says, I can't talk about that, but the next show is going to be revolution <laughs> in, in March. Uh, then finally uh, he talked, somebody asked about MJF. They were like, Hey, is MJF resigned yet? And Tony Khan said, I can't talk about that, but MJF has definitely been a great guy for the company. So that brings us to the the the, the thing that happened today. MJF was taken off of the roster page on AEW. They took his profile off, so according to AEW, he is not on the roster anymore. This is the end of his. What if he just leaves? Like this, this is it. It was he was telling the truth the whole time, and he just leaves, and we never see him again. See, and this is one of those things where it's like I've seen stuff online that says he's resigned. Um, oh, everybody thinks as, that he's right, resigned as long as up you know. to a year ago, right? Um, you know, personally though, Dylan, I think he's done for good. I don't think we'll ever see too. MJF in a wrestling ring again. I think that not this even is the WWE. end of an era. Not ever, dude. Not even an ICW. Um, yeah, not even no. uh dude this is something like jay uso right was taken off the roster too when he yeah, did his yeah, shoot i yeah. quit thing um whatever happens i hope that something fun comes of it but yeah. you know if this is like just to you know obviously analyze for the sake of having conversation if he leaves the company he had a hell of a run um that's true even I, even with whatever criticism i had you can't take away that he was a major guy and did a lot of great things to this point in his career with punk uh obviously that's the thing i think everyone would point to as the highlight of his run and he was the champion for a year the match with danielson was amazing uh it's a shame that this is how it's gone so far but like you said if he were to leave which i if I were doing percentages, it would be below 5% that he, he leaves. It's not – nothing's impossible in wrestling. Yeah. But I think it's very, very hard for me to believe they did all of this devil stuff <laughs> with, no, with no inkling that he was not coming back in. Uh, yeah. So I think it's – you know, like you said, hopefully something comes out of it. And it gives them an excuse too because what you said to bring it back to our talk about that angle, 
he should be gone for a little while. Like he shouldn't yep. just pop back on Dynamite Wednesday and now he's just back. Like they need to bring to really let this be a devastating moment in his career. If he wanted to take a few months off, I don't think it would be the worst idea. Play with the contract being up, you know, so something like that. Uh, maybe have him wait all the way out to Revolution if they wanted to. That could be a big moment. If it's set a swerve, maybe they could go right into Joe versus one of the Devils as the, the, the title match, and that could be his return. Or he, he doesn't have to wait that long. He could be out for a couple of weeks and be back if they wanted to do that. But it gives you a, a convenient excuse to play into the storyline, which has been brought up numerous times over the year, although it hasn't been mentioned lately that much. But it still gives you an excuse with the timing of the Devil review reveal. Yes. And um, like, I don't know, I like coming into this, I was like MJF's reign has been like the fiend in which pretty much all yeah. of his competitors, this ha- second half have come out looking worse. But I think him going out and doing this job, it propped up an entire group of people, including Joe in interesting positions. Um, it led to the potential of Jay White and Hangman getting some interesting roles as well. And again, this is all pure supposition, but like, yeah. um, I think he went out in the best way possible. Definitely being out for a bit is always good, I think, for a champion after losing a big yeah. title after a massive reign. It's like, dude, Agreed. also, you just fucking deserve it. Like, <laughs> working 52 weeks a year is already hard enough as it is. And, you know, one of our main complaints, too, about the beginning of this reign of terror was that MJF never wrestled, was never on TV, really, right? And my God, by the end of this, this dude was never not doing that. So yeah. <laughs> kudos to him in terms of changing that. And, you know, the hypothetical being if he goes to WWE, just because I could not assume him showing up elsewhere. Um, man, impact wrestling. The, <laughs> MJF. Imagine the fucking scene at the Rumble if MJF eliminates Cody. Sorry, that would be hilarious. I'm like, that's that. I'll just put that out there. I'm not going to say shit otherwise about MJF and WWE, but that's that. <laughs> what a way to end this show uh, here. So, yeah, uh, we went through every nook and cranny of this show. Uh, I had the everything, hard conversations, fun stuff, the world of AEW right now. Uh, ho- hopefully things can get better. Like you said, I think a hard reset was kind of needed. And this kind of opens the door for that, heading into 2024 at least. Uh, so hopefully to see some major things. The show wasn't that great. I can see why it didn't get a lot of great reviews. But the Christian and Copeland match was really great. Uh, the finals of the Continental Classic was well worth your time as well. I wouldn't recommend anything else on the show, to be honest. Maybe the opener, actually. Like uh, The eight-man tag was really good. Watch that, too. Uh, there, That kind of completes your journey of the Continental Classic, uh, watching those three matches. And you get the crazy uh, Copeland and Christian match. So, yeah, good stuff there. Some bad stuff, some uncomfortable stuff. What do you got to say? First show of the new year. We need to hear from you, Nello. Damn. Okay. Shout out Raleigh, Gabe, and Carrie for coming to L.A. with me. It was an awesome thing. It was a big moment for me putting myself back out there and making new friends. That was awesome. Thank you, Nick, Lala, Sophia, and Ruby for coming to King of the fucking Deathmatch. Um, sorry, Sophia, for not telling you that it is like real blood beforehand. Um, <laughs> dude, she just goes, wait, are they really bleeding? I was like, dude, I told you there's glass. She's like, holy shit. Um, 
Watch Nick Gage versus June Kasai. Watch Oren Veidt versus Bobby Beverly. Shout out to Hoodfoot. Shout out to fucking Fox. I love you, man. This was an amazing way to kick off our new year. New Year's Day. New Wrestle Update. Um, you know, we're really excited to debut the update network this year. We got basketball update, crime update, <laughs> yeah, crime, update. <laughs> crime update, uh, final fantasy update. Uh, oh yeah. Released Every day. February. Um, yep. so, you know, lots of fun stuff on the horizon. I'm fucking excited, man. I, I really think this is going to be a great year, um, for wrestling, for us, for the show, for everything. So big, big love all around and big gratitude to everyone who, you know, takes the time out of the day to listen to this and, you know, jam with us. One million percent agree on that. Uh, as I said, uh, you know, prayers up for my great grandparents. Hopefully they feel better, uh, you know, by the next time that we come around. Hopefully can't get some sleep, uh, feel a lot better. But uh, like I said, not, you know, everything looks like it's going OK, relatively speaking, right now. Uh, if we could just get through the next few days, it'll be great. Um, shout out. uh uh, Elizabeth from H-Town, really appreciate all the talks we've had lately. Uh, DJ, really appreciate what uh, you were saying to me earlier. All the people that talked to me on uh, my New Year's post that I posted, I, I posted a long thing on there on uh, tw- on Twitter. Uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, all the nice thoughts, all the cool people that came to me, talked to me. Love it on, on that end. So uh, thank you guys for all the knowledge that you bring. Uh, to me as well. Love hearing everybody's thoughts on wrestling. Love seeing the ratings on Cage Match. Love seeing people check out the show on the downloads, the YouTubes, wherever you, you want to listen. It's all good. Uh, follow us uh, at WrestleUpdateX, at WrestleUpdateIG, at Viva underscore zero, at Aniello five O's uh, there. Uh, talk to us about whatever you want. We're always here for it. Uh, but most importantly, Happy New Year to everybody involved. Hopefully this year is a great one for wrestling and your life personally i uh, want to hear some good stories from everybody want to hear some fun being had maybe even go to some live shows like my boy nello over here uh trying to work people with fake blood but it's actually real blood you can't get away from it in the wrestling <laughs> world <laughs> uh but yeah man i uh, got a lot of love for you too most importantly you took the time out you're mad busy but you came through once again i knew you would you always come through in the clutch uh for me and all the listeners really appreciate that and just like you Everybody listening, you know I love you. And until next time, this has been your Russell Update.